Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, a podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm back in the rugby dungeon once again, as we have been for over 10 years now, near 10 and a half seasons, very nearly, we can say. I'm Tim, in the rugby dungeon with JB. Hello, Timothy. Uh, yes, he is OnlyFans ready, shoe and sock free, but he's wearing jeans today. I am. It's very a different, different look. I think your OnlyFans fans will uh, appreciate that. Yeah, I think so. And Phil. Hello, Tim. You're right. I'm okay. Look at look at Jay. Look at the way he's reclining now. Not like um, Kate Winslet in Titanic. Yeah, you're man spreading. I am very much man spreading. <laughs> why does that? Why has that triggered me into a memory of something? Never mind. I'll come back to it. I'll come back to it. <laughs> Being accused of man spreading. No, I, someone said something. There was a clip or something about man spreading the other day. I can't remember um, what it is. Oh, I think I've seen the same clip, but I can't. I can't point my finger. No. It's really annoying me now. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Uh, right, lots to talk about, um, including the second round of the Champions Cup and lots of other rugby stuff going on besides. Um, and a bit of local rugby as well. And we've had some Ooh. great emails, which you can always get in touch. Contact headchasers at gmail.com. Yeah, we've had some good emails this week. Actually. We have had some really good emails. You can also uh, find JB on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. And lifting on Instagram. I've got, yeah, do lots of lifting on Instagram. LinkedIn's all wonderful. Uh, honestly, like the... You're, you're one of the few people I've heard say that. Yeah, because of how you use it. Like, so if you're yeah. on there, you know, trying to sell things and DM people all the time, trying to sell various bits and pieces, it doesn't work. But actually, for the podcast, it works really well because the quality of interaction is so much better. So, so much better. So you can leave it. And also, none of the neckbeards that do blogs and whatnot who 
repopulate Twitter and make it so toxic. They're just not there because they're not serious people. So it's much, <laughs> much better. Um, and I'm also going to give a shout for the YouTube channel as well. We're on U- uh, YouTube, Egg Chasers Rugby. Uh, and I say that because there's, there's, some, there's some account or something that just publishes these end of year lists and I'm, I'm into the top 25 oh, really? of mm. rugby YouTube accounts have that fair play have that I, um, I'm not happy there I'm, be, I'm, I'm looking up well I mean your top natural one. place would be number one wouldn't yes. it yeah exactly which, which I'll have to beat World Rugby's 1.5 million subscribers I can see you doing that yeah <laughs> I mean, honestly in time current trajectory do you know with World Rugby nobody really subscribes to World Rugby thinking I can't wait for updates from this channel they just do it because they've got a bunch of historic games or something, or and historic coverage, and they've monopolised all content and shut any and shut anyone else down from sharing it, which is fine. Good, they own that's, it. That's one way to it's look like after you. We're your not content, letting right? anyone just take this podcast and own it. Well, there is someone on who just takes and uploads our podcast to YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Best of luck to you, sir. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> well, he obviously understands talent. There you go. So yeah, Egg Chasers Rugby for that as well. Uh, but a couple of local derbies. Do you want, do you want to hear about the, some Ooh, of those? Yes, please. Yes, please. Okay, one local derby here. Andrew, uh, Andy Rathbo- Rathbourne has got in touch. Uh, he said yesterday, uh, and he's, yeah, so this weekend, uh, was the big national two derby between Redruth and Camborne. Ooh, Whoa, that nice. is a big one. Two proud Bornish. clubs, four miles apart with lots oh, of history. Wow. And in the same league for the first time in 34 years. Oof. Yeah. It was 1919 at the end, and there was a crowd, which is, uh, the, the, according to the BBC, is between 3,000 and 3,500. <laughs> wow. Love that. That is Love something it. else, isn't it? Do you know, I know I've said this before on the podcast, but the Derby, which I've never really spoke about, I, I've never experienced it, but I know they had huge crowds, was Kendall against, oh, what are they called? Penrith. Wharfdale, Kirby Lonsdale. Kirby Lonsdale. Ah, oh, okay. Lonsdale. Yeah, okay. So I I heard they got three thousand to that, and this wow. is about five six years ago now. Wow! Uh, apparently, it was a great atmosphere, and fixtures mean that each week only one of those two teams is at home, and the other is away, guaranteeing good crowds every Saturday. Uh, and he says, on a separate note, I'm way behind the curve. Oh no, blah 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 blah. That's a different point. Um, uh, he says, finally, I coached the infamous Dominic St. George for a few seasons before he went to Eton and grabbed Tim's balls. Um, and uh, yeah, that that was, I had a Berkshire trial at under 16 level and the other number eight on the opposite team for like East Berkshire. I was the West Berkshire number eight. Dominic St. George was the East Berkshire number eight from Eton. And first ruck, he just came and grabbed my nuts. <laughs> nice. To, nice. As, a, as a power move. Or I, that's just what they do at Eton, I don't know. Uh, might, yeah. might be both. How maybe? Where did Jamala go to school? <laughs> um, and this one from Richard McCowan or McCowan. I hope I'm saying that right, Richard. Anyway, he says, uh, contact JJHS at gmail.com. He says, uh, Pod, good, blah. A mention for the mighty Leamington Rugby Club who won Ooh, what could possibly be the closest geographical derby this weekend against old foes, old Leamingtonians. Both teams steepled in history, the club separated by a singular farmer's field. <laughs> and it was Leamington who came to the fore, winning 38-13. So I don't think that is the closest two clubs. So I think the closest two clubs might be Northwich and, what are they called? Winnington Park. Winnington Park. Because I'm absolutely certain their fields are literally backed onto each other. There's like a field which which is sideways, and then it goes... So the, 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 the posts, I'm sure, are like perpendicular to the... Winningson Park main field, if that makes sense. Oh, wow. I'm sure of it. It's literally a stone's throw. Literally a stone's throw. That's very cool. 
We've also got like ground sharing, like uh, Richmond and yep. Scottish. Newton Scottish. I'm sure there's some. Actually, in Bristol, and you were in Bristol for a little bit, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, I was. You've been down Dings Crusaders. Dings Crusaders, mate. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> great I, I, club, mate. I played for them once. Played for them Pro- twice, actually. Proper club. So where Dings Crusaders were, do you remember? Is I mean, this is going back 20 years or so when I was in back in university. There's like Bishopston, there's Dings, and uh, uh, like Cleve, Cleve, yeah, and they're all on this enormous field, like yeah. right? this huge, huge field, and each one of them has their own porter cabin, effectively, as a clubhouse, <laughs> a branded porter cabin. Yeah, yeah, seriously. And we used to play our freshers games, I think, at. Cleave or whatever it was. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. One of those clubs. And every single weekend, there was at least two or three brand new, freshly burned out cars. <laughs> every <laughs> single weekend without fail. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. Yeah. Um, any news from you in the 16s this week, Tim? Oh, big Lancashire Cup weekend. Oh, who was playing? Uh, Rafi Quirks, Broughton Park under 16s. Against the current holders of the Lancashire Cup, Preston Grasshoppers. Oh, Preston smashed them. Oh, yeah. Well, they, I think they might have thought they were going to, but 15-10 win for the Oh, boys. there we awesome. go. Awesome. Yeah. Low scoring. A well-drilled well defence. I'll tell you what, it, it was. I was just We were just sharing a clip on our coach's WhatsApp group. There's one, there's one tackle when one of our guys gets absolutely obliterated. It's a, basically a speed bump for their hooker, who's a really good player. And just, just he had a good ten meter run up and just smashed him, and our lad got f- flown backwards. But the guy carrying the ball knocked it on, and our, our, it was yeah. funny. It's funny. You used to sort of watch our lad. He he, he gets marmalised, bounces straight back up, and has a big hug with his teammates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. Have it. Love it. Um, are they fully scrummaging now? Yeah. So there's no restrictions on what they can do. No. Line up lifting is all good. Line up lifting. Yeah. Full what, competition. What are, the, yeah, are there any um, differences in? Oh, I, th- I think the only thing it changes if if the scrum wheels, it's not turnover. It's not anyway. No, is that right? At no. senior level, no, it's not been that for a few years, has it? Oh, God, no. it shows how long I've not been yeah. playing. Because <laughs> that that never happens at, at like top end level, does it? The number eight has picked because no. they feed the ball so blatantly. The ball's thrown yeah, straight to the number eight. One of feet. the successful law changes. Because it's illegal to wheel a scrum. I don't know if you know this, and yet you get rewarded with a, with a turnover. Well, again, so by getting rid of it, it doesn't wheel now. As Phil has talked about many times, there are so many laws in the in the law book which just need to be deleted. Like the whole feeding into the scrum is in the law, and yeah, rather yeah. than be a stickler for saying, "Oh, scrum half should put the ball in straight," which you always get a, re- a referee on a Saturday afternoon at like third team level who, yeah. will, who will do that, just take it out because no one bothers anymore. Yeah, if you no, not- no, you can't take it out. You could, it should be like slightly straight. That's what it should be. <laughs> Well, then you've got to you've got to have the laws written to reflect the way that they're applied. Would be my thing. Hookers, yeah. hookers so, do not get rid of. Yeah, hookers do not hook. They do. No, they, they don't. do. Occasionally, they do. Very rarely. No, they, they, they do. They don't. They go straight to the second row. Yeah. No, <laughs> it no, does. No. Honestly, I've hooked recently. No, I'm talking like top level. Top level. I have to no, watch. Not it. level six, mm. but like international do, rugby, hookers don't hook. And the the um, in the laws, you're. Uh, shoulders can't be below your hips in a rook, yeah. And you either got to yeah, yeah, you've yeah, either got to yeah, yeah. take that out or you've got to start applying it. You got, yeah. you can't One have the two the... things going on at the same time. Well, talking to Broughton Park, my friend Dell from Broughton Park sent me a quick text today asking me to give a shout out for for a good friend of his, and I read what his friend is up to, so I thought I would, if that's okay with you boys. Mm. Yeah. So Ben Eddy, 
uh, walk for Doddy. He is trying to walk 300 miles, so that is Cornwall to Kent, he really 330 sh- miles. I mean, he really should have done 500 miles. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Come on. I couldn't, when I read this, I was disappointed. I was disappointed. <laughs> I really was. Um, in three weeks. Uh, so he's currently raised over £3,000. So that is walk, that is walk for Doddy. Uh, today they went to Exeter and they walked around in their budgie smugglers all day. So pretty, pretty, pretty good effort. Good so effort. That is play. on just, just Giving. And yeah, go well. In, enjoy it. Well, well, we'll talk about some good efforts in Exeter in just a second. Oh, yes. But I think before we get there, I think it's only right and proper to... Now we've had two weeks of the Champions Cup. I'm eating humble pie and saying I'm completely wrong. Are you willing to apologise and say you're completely wrong about the quality of the Premiership relative to other leagues? I don't know is the answer. Well, let me give you some stats before you make your mind up, Jay. Uh, total points achieved by teams from leagues, URC... 20 points. Uh-huh. Achieve, URC teams have achieved 20 points in the Champions Cup so far. Top 14 has achieved 35 points mm-hmm. in the UR, in the Champions Cup opening two rounds. The Premiership has achieved 56 points, more than the other two leagues combined. Mind. Interesting. Mm. Is it, yeah, certainly something to think about. Conclusive evidence, surely. Well, no, because <laughs> this is this is this is home games and away games. No, weak teams on, I, bo- on I both tell sides. You why I'm not convinced? Because does, no matter which way you cut up these points, one indisputable fact is the Premiership is being drained of talent, and has been drained of talent. And these squads that they're fielding are still not as strong, and that is a fact. But there are other things which might be giving the Premiership a really competitive. Well, advantage. I think I disagree with you. And we said it on our podcast, and then all I heard last week were various... I'm not saying they listened to us and then repeated it, but all I heard was the point being made again and again and again. It's not good that the three teams went bust, but the three teams that went bust has lifted the standards of everybody else. Because they've, yeah. got, they've, got, yeah. they've managed to get uh, really good players at knockdown prices. Yeah, no doubt about it. Cheap talent has helped. Uh, it really has helped. Bath would not be the same team if they didn't have Ollie Lawrence. Uh, Alfie Barbary. Alfie Barbary. Yeah, yeah. Finn, Ted Hill. Finn well, Smith. I know he's not playing, but yeah. Yeah, all these guys made a huge... Um, even someone who's not actually a mainstream player for their club yet, but uh, we spoke about him last week, Chandler Cunningham himself. Um, there, there's so many examples of good... i tell you a great one. Shilcock at last Shilcock today was absolutely mm-hmm. outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. So, yeah, undoubtedly, it's, it is only a temporary fix. And... The Premiership has already lost a lot of talent, so they were lucky in a way because they will they've lost the same quality of player like Joe March and Gunnar Stade Francais. All the guys that were paid a lot of money had gone, and then as soon as a load of other guys come on the market who they could get cheaper, they did. But this is a temporary fix. I would put more, I'd give more credit to the fact that all the Premiership teams, except for Newcastle, who are not trying and are freeloaders at this point, are spending up to the cap. And every week it is competitive. And because it's competitive, you've got to really coach hard. Nevertheless, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty confident in saying this, which is, although we're good in the group stage, when it gets to the real business end, I do think there'll be a separation between those teams in France and in the URC with the absolute top talent and then the Premiership. Well, well, yeah, I I don't disagree that Toulouse... Lachelle, uh, Toulouse are going to be. Although Lachelle might not even well, make it now. Exactly. Uh, I don't doubt that teams like Toulouse and probably Leinster will get a bit of mojo by then, <clears throat> and will demonstrate what they're about to a, to a greater level. I, I don't think there's any debate there. However, 
I think we thought if you have if you imagine the overlap between the top fourteen and the Premiership, we were thinking the top of the Premiership was only maybe halfway up the top fourteen, and I think the cl- I think the the overlap is much smaller than I think if you than bought, I thought it was. So who's the best team in the Premiership? Let's say Saracens. Yeah, yeah, I think Saracens would be about halfway up the yeah about halfway up the top top fourteen. With their salary structure, with the amount that they can spend on players. Now, if you take that sal- that Saracens structure and give them the French salary cap, I bet they could win win the top fourteen. But it's that constriction on talent, I think. But well, how do you explain the last two weekends then? Um, well, if that is the case, if the if if the restriction on talent has. Yeah, if, if that is the case, surely the answer would be to constrict the salary cap e- e- even further and get rid of more talent. <laughs> well, it depends what your objective is. If you're not winning this? Well, if your sole objective was an English club winning the Champions Cup, you would just have one English team. Yeah. You would just put all the talent in. You'd effectively do like uh, the Haguaras did for mm. a few seasons. Um, like, that's that's like, not like the, the black, RFUs. Like, like the Black Lions are doing for Georgia, who got a yeah, good, good yeah, win, yeah. didn't they? They did away in, um, in Scarlets. That's that's not the objective of the RFU. No, no it's not. Um, I, the, the talent thing is definitely right that talent has left the Premiership. Um, it is definitely right that a significant uh, number of very good players and a also a significant number of kind of solid players, mm. um, above average Premiership players, have been redistributed. You've probably had, I don't know. 15 players from last season leave the league, mm-hmm. but you've had 90 players redistributed across the league, of which more probably a good 15 or more are equally talented to the ones who, who left. And I'd suggest that those players being redistributed has also meant that the wages of everybody has been suppressed. It's like the opposite of... is like yeah. de- de- Deflation of yeah, salaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, deflation it, it of really salaries, is. which helps all of the clubs. Yes, now that is going to be counteracted by next season or the season after that. Whenever there's a 1.4 million pound uh, salary ne- next cap year. increase coming to but, from yeah. five to 6.4, that will just have the opposite effect because every player will be saying, "Well, I was let's make the math simple. I was 10. I was on half a million a year. I was on 10 percent of the the salary uh, the salary cap." Now I must be worth 640k because I'm still worth 10%. <laughs> like that's the argument every player and agent exactly will be right. running. So look at Bristol, right? Bristol are a great example for me about where the Premiership gets it right and wrong simultaneously. Bristol, when they were good, were good because they were one of the few teams that could just spend up to the cap and didn't care how much they spent on Charles Pietel. Yeah, they two, two marquee care. players yeah. who could be you could pay them 10 million if you wanted to. But... When you scratch beneath the surface of Bristol, there's not much there. Um, they're not good at constructing squads. They're not good at the way, in the way they play. There's just not really much there. They're not impressive. Um, they're they, good at spending money, though. They are great at spending they, money. They finished top of the Premiership. Yeah, when they can spend all, all, yeah. Like, all, yeah. all, all of that money. Now, as things have levelled out, as is an, like, an even playing field, you can see that they, that they are struggling. And then you look at other teams who are doing well, like Northampton obviously focus on certain things. Leicester Tigers put so much effort into how they construct the squad. I mean, every single premiership team is making calculations on what they have to leave out to, you know, as Chris Boyd would say, make the, make the boats go faster, which I love that phrase because it's exactly what, what they're try, trying to do. So I do think the premiership produces more interesting rugby because the coaching is of a high of a higher standard because it has to be because you can't just go and buy all the players if you could just buy all of the best players in the world would you really coach them that that hard 
Well, they didn't. I wanted Bernard Laporte to do it too long. He just yeah, left. Exactly. He left yeah, yeah. And back his board to do it. Boys, just go and win. Yeah, just yeah. go win. And they will win because of the best players on earth. I sadly suspect that when we get to the cutting edge of the Champions Cup, it will revert to type and it will just be the biggest, most talented teams that, that mm. make it. But certainly in the group scene. I'm talking around it. What I should really be saying is well done premiership. You've had a great two weeks. That's what I should yeah. be saying. And yeah. It's hard to know who I, who I kind of love more, Henry Slade or Rob Baxter. Oh it's God. it's so hard to call. Can we start with them? Can we just start Would with you, them? Yeah, just just before I just ask one question because yeah, yeah. it is I think it's exactly right to say well done to the premiership and the the teams and DORs and all the coaches involved because they've got some very good results the last couple of weeks. But if you were going to put a bet on today, your own money, £10, and the, the bet is, which league do you think the winner of the Champions Cup is going to go, going to come from? Where would you put your money? I'd put my money on the top 14. You or C? I would probably also say top 14. It's a but. tough call, though. Yeah, to lose. All right, well, how about if you had to... Put, to, to if, lose. If you had £10 right now and you could lay a bet on... I'm just thinking who's two from two and English and looking really good. Um, Extra two from two. Yeah, but I know they're, they're, they've done it against the odds. Bath are two from two. Northampton, Northampton two from two. Two from right, okay, two. if you could... You could Tigers put, are two from two. Okay, all right, how about this? £10 and you can... The bet is an English team winning it or La Rochelle winning it? Two from two versus two and oh. Yeah, so <laughs> La, La Rochelle with no wins and you yeah. can put bet on them winning it or any English team winning the Champions Cup. I still reckon the, the, bookie, the bookies would probably have that quite yeah, relatively pretty, even. And you probably your better bet would be to say La Rochelle if, that's, <laughs> if that is even money. Yeah, and the, the reason I would say La Rochelle is because I think there's more chance of an English team obviously getting to the knockouts, but once they're in the knockouts, they're, they're going. So put your money on La Rochelle, because if they make the knockouts, they could win it. And they they will make the knockouts. I have no doubt. They'll Wait. probably have to travel away mm. yeah, to... they will. Like, Lyon or Leinster or uh, someone like that. But again, isn't that... That's what I will say about the Champions Cup. The round of 16 is going to be brilliant. And as good as these last two weeks are, it is preposterous that, we, we're, that we're talking about a team... Almost certainly going to make well, not almost certainly, very very good chance of making the knockouts, having lost their opening two games. That was un- yeah. that's unthinkable. Well, and I, I think I think In that is the. By. I was thinking about this this weekend because again we've seen teams rotate their squads. Some some like definitively put out a second string team, like Stade Francais did it last week. Um, Leicester Tigers, I mean Leicester Tigers won with it this week. Sale, it was definitely. A second string team went to Leinster, did very well, admirably, but his second string. Now, this is the last 16 tax. Mm. So they've got fewer group stage games. You only play four games instead of six in the group stages. But the balance of games has been increased or pushed back up by having the round of 16. Now, the round of 16 is in itself a good thing, but it is driving these negative behaviours because 16 out of 24 teams are going to qualify. You only really need to win one game and pick up a couple of bonus points, and you'll be getting through. Yeah. So it, that is why you can you can totally throw two games and uh, still qualify and still win to make the damn sure, thing. isn't it? You've got a minimum amount of home games, so they give them two home games. Yeah. Just so you've definitely got something, because otherwise I, there's an argument for just straight knockout, which would be great. 
Yeah. Knock up from the start. But then, yeah, it's the few... They need... The clubs do need the games. Like, unquestionably, the clubs need the games. Yeah. Every, yeah. It'd be worth 250k, half a million pounds to most of these clubs to host a home game. There's also the interesting they prospect of clubs panicking, of losing the... Like, La Rochelle. I mean, are they panicking? They probably are. Well, they are. They tried to win both. They sent full teams yeah. to both of those matches yeah. that they've won, home and away. So, but yeah, yeah. There's some interesting... There's, there's some interesting dynamics now because... Some teams will have qualified early, so you can guarantee that all those Premiership teams that have won two from two will be, qualif- will be qualifying now. And then yep. other They'll teams get through. will start to really yep. panic because, oh, Christ, we need to win something. Well, the, also, the Premiership teams have fewer league matches, so they will they can still go full bore in rounds three and four. But with weaker squads. So it's all kind of it's all finely yeah. balanced. But this it's has always been my point about the European Cup. The beauty of it is you get to see how different organisations mm. manage their club teams and which approach is best? Is it the Irish approach of making many finals but never winning? Or is it the French just spending as much money as you can in that ferocious league or the constrictions of the salary cap in the English league? You know, one of those things. You know, yeah. And sometimes it is, unbelievably, the English teams with Exeter and Saracens, it's very rarely... Oh, let's, please, let's talk about Exeter. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, let's, let's go oh, on that. wow. I, I'm just amazed by Exeter. Can, can I launch off with a theory on, on Exeter? Go on. So my theory is this, which is when, you, when you've got a successful team or a previously successful team like that classic ex-team was and you know all the names, they won the Premiership, they won the, the European Cup and they were competitive like the year after that and it slowly then started to disassemble itself in it. So uh, Johnny Hill left and we mentioned all of the yep. players that left. Now I think we've all been in teams which were very, very strong at this amateur level. Very, very strong. And then next year, they're not quite as strong. I mean, even though they're objectively, H this year. Yeah, even though they're objectively good teams, right? You don't feel as confident. And you mm-hmm. know, your players don't show up as much. And I think Rob Baxter has identified that. And he's like, well, if we've got these players who are paid very well, but they're not going to show up as much because they were part of a previous de- like di- di- dynasty of players, a previous iteration of this club, let's blow it all up and start again. And I think that's kind of what's happened. And the only one that they've kept is Henry Slade. Now, Henry Slade, I just, just a quick word. Hollywood Burn as well. Yeah, actually. There, I mean, there are a handful. There, there, are, there are a sprinkling of them, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Devoto, if he ever comes back. Uh, I'm just looking at the, the team from 2020, the, the team that beat Racing 92 in the final in 2023 years well, ago. Well, let's see if we can name the team. Yeah, or great game. So, yeah. Uh, who, who would have started at Loose? I wonder, would Ben, uh, ben Moon have got ben, to start? Or ben been... Moon or Hepburn? Hepburn. It was Ben Moon on the bench. Ben Moon. Hepburn, Hepburn yeah. started. Okay, then it would have been Yen, Yen, Yen. Cowan Dickey and Yendall. Yep. Uh, Maybe in the other yeah, order. Correct. It was Cowan Dickey started okay. and Yendall on the bench. And it would be ha- Harry, Harry Williams. Williams and... Who was the other one? Harry you Williams. Know, you, know the other, you know the other prop. Who was the other one? It wasn't... He, he, t- he had to leave because he t- had to take a uh, fair market rate. S- oh, Seal? Tommy Francis. Francis. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. And then you got the, then you got Johnny Gray and um, not Hill? Sam, not Sam Skinner, not Johnny Hill. Johnny Hill. Johnny yeah, Hill. Johnny Gray and Johnny John- Hill. So Johnny, Johnny yeah. Gray, first one who's still there. He's still there, but leaving. Johnny Gray still there. Going to and board. injured. Yeah, he's, he's, he's injured. <clears throat> he's not played. Apparently going to Bordeaux. All oh, right, okay. Not which which makes sense time. because why would you not? Um, yeah. And he'll, he'll be on... He'll Phil, be on, Phil's beloved Bordeaux. He'll be on good money, and he's not played for... Oh, no, no, you're, you're beloved Toulouse. No, I am beloved Bordeaux. You are beloved Bordeaux, I'm beloved, sorry. beloved Bordeaux. So back row yeah. is Simmons. It's Simmons Armand. at eight. Yeah. S- no, and Armand wouldn't have started, would he? Yeah, Armand start, I think. No, Armand no, wasn't no. in the squad. What, Ewers? Uh, Ewers, yeah. yeah. Big, big Dave Ewers. My beloved Big Dave Ewers. Yeah. And at seven, 
at seven. At seven for Exeter in the Champions Cup. Another big guy. No, I'm going another big guy. It was oh Vermeulen. Vermeulen. So well he's done. so Vermeulen's still, still there. there. He's still there. Yeah. Then yep. you've got um, it would have been Nick what? Nick White. Oh, Nick White. I think he must have been injured. Stu Townsend. Not Townsend. No, one of the Maunder. Maunder. Maunder A or Maunder B. Yeah, Jack okay. Maunder. Okay. Started. And on the bench? Townsend then. No. no. Maunder. Uh, another Maunder? No. No. Oh, okay. What's the other one? So he played for a short period of time. I don't think he played oh, for Oh, um, uh, the Scottish fella. Yes. Because he came on and did an absolute worldy thing. I know the one you mean. End. What's his name? Double barreled name. Yes. You know him. Oh, of course. His name. Him. He's at Leon. And now he's not a Leon. Oh, he's in, he's, I think he's in Italy now. Tell us. He's, he's at your beloved Benetton, yeah, if his remember. Wikipedia is correct. I can't remember his name. Oh. Come back to me. Uh, Sam uh, Hidalgo. Klein. Klein yes. Um, and then 10 would be... Simmons. Sk- Simmons. Yep. 12 would be uh, the diminutive um, <laughs> Ian Witten. Ian Witten. Oh, Henry Slade. Henry, Henry Slade, Slade. 13. Wingers, uh, Woodburn and Noel. Yeah, no, but oh, Flatty, no. oh, Flatty, yeah. oh, Flatty. Burn wasn't in the squad, and then it not Hog. Was 15. it Hog? Was not fifteen? Was he fifteen? He was Hog. Oh, he was, oh, was Hog for that one. He started, nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. And the only people you've missed, you've missed the uh, the bench uh, lock and back row. So not who, Skinner, which could be which could be either way around. Yeah, so Skinner was one of them. Yeah, uh, and the other one who is also a lock slash back row, who I think you've mentioned him as well, actually. Uh, in Yanis Kirsten. Oh no, I didn't mention him, but yeah. And then the two uh, backs besides the scrum half who were on the bench. Uh, Stino wasn't still playing then, was he? Stino was still yeah, playing. Really yeah. Stino and uh, Dollars. Not Dollars. No, not dollars. So of all those, maybe three, three of them left. Devoto. So I do think there's an, yeah. some sense of saying, look, you belong to a previous dynasty. I don't, it is, it must be very hard to mention. Dynasty. Yeah. <laughs> dynasty. Uh, it must be very hard as a player to build yourself back up, knowing that it's going to be a rebuilding team. So just stop when you players. I think that it's it, it, it's it's really interesting because it's it is kind of the opposite of what Saracens have done. Yeah, they they are like um, good for good and bad, but they are trying trying their best to keep that team together, the, the kind of skeleton of that team together, even when some of the players are perhaps past it. Some of the players could um, are no longer the value. They were, and arguably they were never good value because they were paying over the odds for yeah, them in fair. the first place. They may have played a blinder with a couple of them because there's talk about the hybrid contracts and <laughs> nonsense. And, well, no, but this is one. Yeah. This the hybrid contacts uh, co- contracts. Whilst you may agree, disagree, at least it would actually repay Saracens finally for all of their work producing England well, players. Yes, there is that. There is yeah. that, and it 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 does it incentivizes the clubs to have England players. Whereas now, it's you kind of. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, you you kind of have to have these guys because they're the big na- names yeah. and they're the talent, but they're only going to be available to you half the season. So you're paying the biggest money to players that don't play for you. So Mark Evans of Fiji Drew, Drew of fame and mm. Holland's made a really good point that the England money, rather than being distributed for the players produced, should be just distributed evenly throughout all the clubs. So there is no incentive to keep your England players. Now, I know you don't like that, but actually it'd make for a more no, interesting it, league if everyone had an England player. Yeah, it does make sense. And that's probably what the outcome would be, mm-hmm. is everyone would end up with an England player. Yeah. Because they've got the money to go out and buy one. And the other thing, which it sounds a little bit like, is Rob Baxter's suggestion that every EPS squad member should get equal money 
not just people that make a match day 23. Yeah, although the match day 23 was decided by the players. Yes, but back in the day, and now they're thinking. That's because the group was the group was thirty five, and the twenty you only need twenty three. Yeah. We're, we're the twenty three. <laughs> no, I'm fine. I'll take I'll take the twenty five bags. Thank you. Let's vote. Um, <laughs> this needs chances are in the team. Yeah, this motion needs twenty two votes for it to go through. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's remarkable what Rob Bax has done with this. Basically, a brand new team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're watching them really play, is. and you can see there's a pattern, there's a structure, and because there is a strict pattern, a strict structure, they can perform very well within that strict structure because they're com- they're comfortable doing it. I mean, their their strict structure got them into trouble. The um, the four monster tries all came down the right hand side, all from, and it was pointed out um, by it was Sam Warburton and Tom May and Combs, wasn't it? Um, it was pointed out repeatedly about their rush defense and incredibly narrow defense that Munster through either kick passes or wide passes, just exploited. And by by the way, on Munster, I know they'll be very disappointed with the result and there's a little bit of self-implosion there. Mm. But you have to say they play some great rugby now. Mm. Like rugby that we haven't seen from Munster in a long time. They do play nice. um, They do play nice rugby in... In fairness, and from next to point of view, if you're going to get beaten, get beaten up, get beaten out wide, out wide, force I mean, them to, yeah, that's, force that's what you got to do. And actually, it worked, didn't it? Because they did score points, but just not enough. Yeah, and they they missed. They only got two of the conver- two conversions, missed two because they were yeah. having tough kicks. Now Henry Slade, I just want to go back to him. He was already an ex to legend, but I think there's always some doubt about how good he was uh, because he's surrounded by other good good players. But as like the sole great player that they have left from all those years in the past he actually looks like it he actually looks like their one remaining great player now everyone else is playing great but he's he is turning himself into an absolute nailed down Exeter Chiefs legend now oh yeah as if he wasn't already. Uh, as if he, yeah, 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 well yeah. I mean there were others that could sort of yeah you know but I, the I fact mean, he's I, stuck around and he's making more stories yeah. Is, yeah yeah exactly because like, it's like is, Noel Cowan Dickey Steenson, for me, is probably Steve's, the greatest. Yeah, because he was there players. in the championship. Ben Moon would yeah. be up there. Yeah, Ben Moon. Yeah, Steenson, yeah all, all those boys. But he's been with all of them. And now if you can be successful in this version of the team as well, yeah. Yeah. he then becomes, in my mind, probably their greatest well, player. Let me, let me jump us sideways a little bit and let's just try and solve Steve Borthwick's lovely England conundrum because there's a lot of players playing very well in that 13 jersey. Ollie Lawrence is looking great. Henry Slade's looking great. Tommy Freeman's looking really good. Mm. And there are others. There's another one that Tommy I had, Freeman, had yes. in my mind. Oh, oh, the lad, uh, Ollie Hartley. Ollie is, Hartley is a real, he's, Did he have 12 on his back, though? Um, so that'd be useful. He did. Oh, that'd be useful. He did, you're <laughs> right. Nick, Nick Tompkins got pushed to 13. Correct. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, so, excellent. Absolutely awesome. Uh Sandy Park, I don't know what the other sand looked like, but the cameras were showing most of it. 13, full. over 13,000 there, so awesome. full. It's great you to know, see, I, isn't I it? love Exeter so much because partway through the second half, they started up with the uh, Tomahawk chop again. It's like, yeah, screw everyone else. It, it, <laughs> was it's it all about cheeks. Just the fans, they're not playing it over the PA anymore, are they? Or are they? It doesn't matter. Because the, the, the DJ was playing all sorts of tunes over the, <laughs> over the PA. I just loved it. It's like, it, it, if Exeter can just get. There are a handful of clubs in the country that can do this. Probably Gloucester, Bath, Exeter, Northampton, Leicester. So well, actually, I've named five there. But once they get on a winning run, they fill their stadium. Uh, yeah. And I think that if That's this Exeter right. Chiefs team just can continue to win and give people around there a bit of belief, they will fill mm. that stadium, and it will be um, a success story. Just, just on mm. that, like you, I, I, I don't don't really mind one way or the other. I, I don't have a strong opinion on it at all. Are people actually upset by the I, Tomahawk Chops? Do you know what? Chop the more song? they're the more they're upset, the more they should do it because it's their identity now. 
Like, it is a big middle finger to everyone else who's disparaged that club. People like Hugo Monia and... Uh, he, he wouldn't care about a song. Oh, you jo- are you joking? You, you, you'd By have way, to Hugo, be so thin-skinned to care about a song. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to my legal I'm letter from him. I'm offended by a song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interestingly, no one's been charged with that yet, so we'll, we'll we'll wait to see if the most blatant case of racism anyone's ever seen ever in the history of the world, which is on multiple cameras with multiple witnesses, ever does get charged. <laughs> but we'll see, we'll see, won't we? And I'm sure I'll get my so-called legal letter. Looking forward to that. Uh, and Sonia McLaughlin as well. So people like that uh, is a massive middle finger to, because it's Exeter Chiefs and it's an amazing club. It really is an amazing club. I would agree. It's an amazing club. 100%. I love it. And uh, there was some special moments. Great second half as well. When you actually look at the the three tries for Exeter. Of these new players, so we spoke about all, all players, of the new players, who are you liking? Uh, Daffith Jenkins. Daffith Jenkins. Yes. Oh my goodness me, what a player. Yeah, he's do you know, and he's, he's 20. Yeah, he's huge. He's absolutely huge. So the one that I really liked at the moment is, I want to say, is it Ben Hammersley? Uh, Winger. Winger, correct, yeah. yeah. Now, he's a little bit shaky on Squats. defense today. Yeah. yeah. He was a bit shaky, but was. every time I've seen him play, like Newcastle, he was absolutely superb. He can really run. He's going to be a very, very dangerous player. Hawkins. Hawkins seems like an absolute top. Be- best game I've seen Dan Frost play. Yeah. Yeah. He was great. Um, Frost, another important pickup from, from Wasps. Uh, Wasp. Greg Fissler was great. Yeah. Fissler, he had a, he had and, a big game. So, Tuima. And Pearson are both just big bodies. They're both young men, but just they're the size of young men that Exeter need. Yeah. So just having that size is really important. And they're talented and they will continue to develop. What amazes me about this team is it's the desire to play. So you're watching them and they just don't die. How many teams would have crumbled in the face of it? Munster, just the reputation alone is is fearsome. Yeah, when Munster scored early... Five ten minutes into the second half to make it twenty four ten, that that most teams would have would have crumbled then. Yeah, I, I'd love to know an extra like how much say do the other coaches have in what is actually been delivered there, or do they just have to deliver what Rob Baxter says? I suspect Baxter does. He he does the big picture stuff, <clears throat> but then leaves the detail up to the some yeah, of the detail. Yeah, I'd imagine some of the detail up. To I would it. imagine it's very collaborative I would say he what I will say though is Rob Baxter did try and take a big step back yeah and then it did not go well and he came back in and grabbed the reins again so I think he needs to have his hands on the on the reins but I I, it's it will be a I think he's giving messages like you deliver this however you want but you must have this outcome yeah it is this yeah yeah yeah. uh, you can imagine him simplifying things yeah, can't you? Uh, th- that is the beauty of it. They play really simple rugby, which you can understand. So when they say, they always say um, at the full time team talk, or when you go to the coaches, we like, they spoke about a few things at half time, and the few things that they speak about, they always tell you, and they always seem to make sense. Yeah. So I will just we, we touched on it before, but Munster for the first fifty minutes Great. would deserve to be fourteen points up, mm-hmm. and credit to uh, Graham Roundtree and his coaching set up for identifying and exploiting that weakness in Exeter's defence. Yeah, because they were flying up. Absolutely flying up. Flying up and short on the, particularly on that uh, Exeter's left-hand side, Munster's right-hand side, which is where the four tries came from. I I like Jack Crowley and I like Kieran Frawley as well. I think Ireland have got a couple of good players there. Yeah, and that, like you look at that Munster team sheet, that is not filled with stars. No. There's, I mean, Ty Byrne is 
<clears throat> Ty Byrne is by, a, by far the the biggest name, uh, and he's also uh, I know just giving praise to everybody in the Exeter team. He's also by far the best player on the field. Oh, he's a hell of a player. He is absolutely outstanding. Yeah, yeah. In every facet of the game, he is outstanding. But that that, that Munster team, no, you're right. Not they are not big names across the board, and they they played very well. They, they will they will rightly be very disappointed not to come out of there with with more. Mm, agreed. Uh, in terms of England, watch um, Bath. Alfie Barbary had a very very good game. He's um, he's going quite nicely at the moment, Barbary. Yeah. And and just more broadly on this, so we've had three Premiership teams go bust. I I genuinely think I'm not in for a, a British and Irish league. No, but if there was two Welsh regions, east and west, mm. don't care where they are really, and put them in the Premiership, I think that's cooking because that packed Cardiff Arms Park, and that atmosphere, and that edge for an Anglo-Welsh matchup there's something about that do you know I love the idea right I do love the idea and I think Cardiff as a city and as a central population is a good rugby experience so on and so forth etc etc however the depth of politics which already exists <laughs> in English r- rugby do you really want to pollute that with I mean it's like leaving one psychotic wife and then immediately marrying another <laughs> out of the frame yeah, the yeah. Type thing. do you yeah, really yeah. want to overlay well actually it's like juggling a mistress on the side a psychotic <laughs> mistress on yeah, the side yeah. of a psychotic yeah, yeah. wife I'm really so go- at home let me get a psychotic mistress right? so, oh, no, you're, you're going through a messy divorce and you've yes. got your new wife already and you're putting in a <laughs> yes. psychotic mistress yeah that is what it would be like Tim I mean it can't get much more psych- there's not many more dysfunctional organisations than English rugby as a whole, except for Welsh the rugby. WRU, and then the... Well, re- is that what you want? Well, it was, so it would be, yes, and look, I'm not totally convinced by the administration of Premiership Rugby, but it would be Premiership Rugby running it, and it would be... Good Lord. It would be the Welsh... <laughs> yeah, it would be the Welsh regions who would have to move to the beat of their drum. Oh, no. I mean, if, if you could somehow eliminate all of the politics, um, it could work. A 12-team league with... Uh, say, say regions, yeah. yeah, east and west, or but even, like a, East one's in a or even if you took type. if you took Cardiff and Edinburgh and said Wales will have one from you, do what you want with the rest of your rugby, and Scotland will have one from you, Edinburgh, yeah, and do what the rest of do what you want with the rest of your rugby. Uh, I mean, almost just like poach two regions, one from Scotland, one from one from Wales. That I mean, that, you could you could always do it like a tender, like but make yeah. them bid, and as part of the tender, you've got to show that you are. Financially competent, and, you're effectively managed, and be willing to exile yourself from from your home the, union. The, yeah, yeah. Good, no, good lord, no. <laughs> <laughs> just no. Leave it as it is. Anyway, the point was, I loved the Anglo-Welsh nature of this. It felt, it felt good. Yeah, that is great. Um, just to finish that point off, I was going to make. Everyone talks about the concussion issue, and I'll be talking about that a bit more later. But one of the good things about the Tenting League is one of the only ways to solve the concussion and welfare issue is less rugby. And I think increasing the league size again, we've down to 10, leave it at 10. You've done it by accident, <laughs> but you are here now. Don't increase it to 12 again. Yeah, it's a fair point. It's just whether the it's whether the clubs are sustainable. Uh, I suppose 10. the other element is if you start getting franchises out of your regular league structure, you can't have promotion relegation. And I do think, yeah, I do think we should have. And I don't. I think you've got 10 teams now. Leave it as it is. Let it run. Hmm. I mean, if you've got 10 unsustainable teams, why do you want 12 unsustainable teams? (laughs) 
Um, more revenue. For, yeah. Like, if you get another half a million pounds on your... Um, but where's the limiting factor here? <laughs> Make it 500 teams. <laughs> exactly right. Play mul- <laughs> m- multiple times a day. <laughs> yeah, there are 500 clubs in, in-, in England. Yeah, why not? Uh, Bath looked very good, though. Ollie Lawrence, again, looks very good. Uh, Alfie Barbary was great. So England watch, it's lots of positives. Uh, I do wonder, kind of watching the highlights of this game, um, what was the game on at this time? Uh, uh, it was Leinster Sale. Was it Leinster Sale? Or was it an early game? Anyway, yeah, it probably was Leinster Sale. So I was watching that. But um, I was watching thinking, if... Will, so talking to singers is going really well. Jay, sorry, that's no, fine. I'm just going. I'm just, just just making you aware. Your breathing's quite loud. Sorry, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I think it might be where the mic is in proximity to your nose. You're watching some Instagram videos of am, people <laughs> lifting. <laughs> Hello, um, talking to singer and Wilmore. Talking to singer is going well. I wonder if um, if kind of neutral and talking to singer wasn't already an England winger. Hmm. Whether you put the two on the pitch and said to someone who knows nothing about rugby, which one of those you think is the more talented player? Yeah. Whether Will Muir would eight times out of ten get that shout? I've never seen a, a match where Will Muir has been playing on the wing where he's not been the best winger on the field. He's, he's very, very rare. Yeah. And now Josh Adams was playing in this game and he finished two tries beautifully and he's a hell of a winger. But uh, Will Moore is just, he's such a good player. And he's, he's a big, strong boy. He's not quite as big as uh, Thokina Singer, but he's a big, strong boy as so well. Here's another question, Bomber. right? Because uh, mm. Matt Hansen, he's not small, but he's he's not he's not the quickest, he's not the biggest, he's not the strongest. He's not, he's not, yeah, he, but yeah. he's just an exceptional rugby player. And a great rugby brain. And great rugby brain and all of that. Other people can't, other wingers certainly can't do. So I think we know the answer to the question. If Matt Hansen was playing in the, in the Premiership, how many England caps would he have got? Zero. Probably a big fat zero. I, he wouldn't be close. No, he wouldn't I, be close. He, he definitely, only, he played in Australia. And yeah. he, how, many, how many Australia caps did he get? Yeah. yeah. Zero. Uh, but the other question would be, if Joe Thock and a singer was at an Irish province, how many island caps would he have got? Because weirdly, I kind of think that they'd still go with Matt Hansen. Um, they would do. It would be a shootout for the other wing berth. I think because um, James, James Lowe, Lowe. James Lowe is, I think he is a better um, player, all-round player than Thokken Singer. Yeah, no. But he's no. not. You, the job that Thokken Singer does is more like James Lowe than it is well, just uh, Matt Hansen. the Irish wingers, tell me if you think I'm wrong, but it strikes me that they have their wingers to do many other things other than traditional wing play. Yeah, James, Lowe, James Lowe's kicking. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they move him around like a siege gun. Yeah. And then there's Matt Hansen, who's almost like a second playmaker. Yeah. The way the way that they play with the current wingers, 100%. So I and that, that's one of the reasons why probably Balakoon hasn't had the look in that mm-hmm. he certainly is formed two years ago. Balakoon would have a, a great shot of being an England winger. Yeah, yeah. But the other two wouldn't. Yes, yeah, you're you're exactly right. Stockers would have been an England winger. Yeah, he would have because they oh. they value size, don't they? They value size and people that look like international wing players. And Stockers, his form kind of oh God, it's going back four or five years. He was now. the best winger in the world. He was. He had he had a couple of seasons where he was the best winger in the world. Keep I mean, it. he is a big, strong boy as well. He's like 105. How is he playing PG. at the moment? Cubed did all right the other night um, against Racing. Well, Ulster had an amazing night. Yeah. Really, really good. Ulster performance. He absolutely smashed Arundel in the first few minutes. He did. Did he? He just yeah. ended him. Yeah. Did. Arundel didn't do no, he very did much nothing. at all. This is again, like, uh, I, Henry Arundel has got incredible raw materials. 
But when he's not given the ball, like mm-hmm. it's, someone goes and basically places it in his hands, he doesn't. He just he's he's either completely on or he's just he not, has he's some not amazing there. moments, doesn't he? Yeah, but you didn't have any in this game. Wing is a funny position, which is you can play it in so many different ways, and I think particularly younger wingers have got to appreciate what being a winger is all about. You know, you can make a hell of a, su- a successful career by not finishing and just chasing kicks. You, know, mm. you can be a finisher, you can be the Jack Knoll type, which does everything. I mean, think about Jack Knoll, think about the two lads that we've just mentioned who are completely different to each other and then completely different to Jack Knoll. Then you've got your Cockner Singers. You've got so many different types of winger. He just needs to decide what, what he is and execute it on a more regular basis. But at the moment, he's just a very fast guy who's good with the ball in hand. Well, watching Bordeaux, I, I mean, I know they got the ball to the outside quite a lot, but you cannot imagine, if they were having a quiet 10 minutes, you cannot imagine... BLBRA and Peno, <laughs> Peno just standing on their wing. Peno does not like drift out of the game. No. He, Peno is always in the game. Whereas well, Arundel will drift out of the game. Peno is like Jupiter or something like that, which is he has this gravitational force <laughs> and the ball is attracted to him. And so it should be. He's like this fulcrum out wide and you have to get the ball to him because something will happen. Big statement. Is Peno the best player on earth at the minute? He's- Even more so than Dupont. Oh, I mean, it is a big, big statement. I think he might be. Yeah, he's up there, isn't he? He's certainly he's, up there. He's, so t- he's just so involved in everything. He, and he reads opposition defenders so well. Which is, uh, well. That's why his steps look so effortless, because he's got that perfect timing. And it's the other things he does, like the kicking, and he just makes things happen. Yeah, yeah, I'd say he's up there. I wouldn't say he's the most important, because wing is a funny position. But he's certainly up there. He's certainly the best winger in the world. So we've, we've moved from my beloved Ulster, which we could talk more about, no, to fine. my beloved uh, Bordeaux. Yeah, they play great rugby. But on Ulster Racing 92, so you had none of the wingers. Uh, Imhoff for the Lagarek try was excellent, but none of the wingers did that much. It was more of a, as you'd kind of expect at the Kingspan in mid-December, it was more of a game for the purists, more of a JB-type game. Yes. Uh there were some interesting things done by Ulster. I don't know if you watched this, Jay. I didn't. In so let's see a second of Ulster because I know that you'll be watching it. The they scored. Uh, oh, they battered them. Thirty-one fifteen. Twenty-one five at half time. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was all Ulster. Like it was it ended up being pretty comfortable. Um, Racing got a couple of late tries, like couple of late pushover tries to make it look more respectable. But um, it was a really good performance by Ulster. Ulster scored three tries from tap and goes in the five metre. Mm-hmm. Uh, three tries? Three tries from tap and goes, uh, two of which were um, tap pass to Hendo, Ian Henderson, mm-hmm. and Henderson took three steps forward, turned around, and they set up a rolling maul and mauled Racing 92 over the line. Is that Timoney's tries? They did that twice. Yeah. I think that was definitely one of Timoney's. I think. Maybe both of Timonies. Yeah. The other one, yeah. that, w- that was really, like, it was really old school. Like, I've not seen that for years. And they did it and scored two tries against Racing 92. So who looks who looks at that Racing 92 pack and says, oh, yeah, I know what we're going to do. We're going to set uh, d- deliberately set up a rolling mall five metres out from the line and just push them over twice. Easy. Um, the other thing that they did, which was a neat little trick, which ended up in the McCloskey try, was... Cooney, tap and go five metres from Racing's line. He taps the ball, but he doesn't catch the ball. 
Nick Timoney was already running onto oh, the ball. Yeah. So he taps it and Nick Timoney takes it at pace, kind of catches the defence off guard, takes it in once and just pops left and McCloskey spins over the line. So many teams are going to be doing that next weekend. Yes. Yeah. So many like, like level teams. 7 and under 16s Broughton Park I next think, weekend. I think Broughton Park are hard with no game next weekend, obviously. But in the new year, watch out. We'll be doing yeah. that. Yeah, so um, I've always liked wrestling. But uh, the Stuart Lancaster era has not got off to a great start in Europe. It's not a great start. Are so they good? Far. Be are they good people though? Yet has he made them into good people? I have no doubt they're good people. Yeah, they're I mean, uh, Lancaster and Khaleesi—they're going to be great people. Oh my god, the, the <laughs> sanctum of <laughs> that team at the moment. Whether whether they are good enough, they're so top of the top fourteen. Big Stu's doing all right. Oh, yeah, well, they okay. are top. There is, there is that then. Equal on that. points with Toulon and Cast, and only a point ahead of Stad and Pau, but they are nevertheless top. Now, one thing that Racing will... Uh, well, Racing should be doing better when... Um, I think Ulster lost six lineouts in the first half. Ah. Wocky was amazing. Oh, he, was, he, was he is superb in the lineout. He was am- He put so much pressure... On uh, it was first Robbie Herring, and then he went off for HIA, and Moore came on, and then Herring went back on, and then Moore came back on. Uh, they, he was just putting so much pressure on Ulster, which is why they in, ended up going for the tap and goes and using their full repertoire there. But very, very good win for Ulster. And Kits off looks very good as well. He looks like he looked like a good signing for them last night, and Dave Ewers as well. Big Dave because and, yeah, they, he, he carries hard. He hits. Oh god, who did he hit? I think it was uh, Gibbert, Joubert, the uh, the number ten. Um, he absolutely smashed him with all hundred and thirty kg of uh, Big Dave Ewers. So Ulster, they have got some size, maybe not quite enough for the latter stage, stage of the tournament. Having guys like. Timoney and, and Matty Ray, who are good. They're kind of like six and a half, so they're not really quite big enough for full um, big boy rugby. As much as, JB, you might sort of say, oh, the, the Lancaster era hasn't bedded in your hasn't done what you want equally, you could argue Leinster are missing him. Well, did they not win? They did, but they're not fizzing yet. They don't look well, like they, Leinster did last year. But they, they beat... Uh, they beat La Rochelle, to be fair. Yeah, they beat La Rochelle in La away. Rochelle. They beat La Rochelle away and they beat Sale's second team. And they they struggled for a bit against Sale's second team. They certainly did. Yeah, well, it wasn't a bad team. I mean, I didn't see this, actually. I thought it was going to be an absolute beatdown. It wasn't, wasn't a bad team, but it wasn't, wasn't a, wasn't it's, a, it's, it's def- not a good team. It's a second-string team. It's... Well, if they don't send with George the exception, Ford, With the exception of Roebuck and Reed and Ernst even, Van Rijn... Even Roebuck and Reed, you'd argue that O'Flaherty would be in there... He'd been one of those positions. Yeah, he'd been one of them. So one of the wingers, one of the back row, and that is, other than that, second second sec, second choice in every at least yeah, second I mean, choice there's in every nice position. Talent in that team, don't yeah. get me wrong. Oh no, they're, 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 they're absolutely that's a compliment is. to say yeah, the backup. Yeah. It is definitely a second string if, team. If the name George Ford isn't on the team sheet, it's a second team, a second string <laughs> but, um, sale team. But in in a, actually that can't be right because the best fly half in, in the press in in the press in Ireland. I can't remember which one. Maybe it was the Irish Independent or whatever. Anyway, it said. Uh, Leinster will eat uh, toothless sharks on the day of the match. Ooh! And Alex, well, Anderson, they... and Alex Anderson's response was like, "Right, well, yeah, we'll, we'll team show, talk done. We'll show you." Yeah, yeah. And all of those players, so it is a second string, definitely. But they're all fighting for that shirt, so it's a great opportunity. And all of the boys put their hands up. Every single 
um, player wearing a sales shirt, put their hands up and put in a good performance. There were some exceptional performances amongst them. Some of the hits from Van Ryan um, and Doug Dale were awesome. Doug Dale can bang. And the other one, actually, I will say I've seen on the highlights too, is encouraging me, and we all knew he was good, but he has definitely lost. He's definitely the second choice scrum half. Rafi Quirk. Rafi Quirk. Quirk. Yeah. yeah. Now, if he can start firing, Sale got all. I mean, I still think he's the second choice. And the reason I think that is because he can change a game. So it's, it's, it's good to yeah. have him on the bench. You're saying he's a game changer, a I, finisher. I am, I, yes. <laughs> they should call them that. Not concussion boys, like I suggested. The, the other boy um, who was amazing in burst, he's got some pace, it was Reed. Yes, his, his break for the final try was amazing. Like, Reed has always been absolutely rapid, but my criticism of him is he he hasn't really caught up with the game. He, he wasn't reading the game well. He wasn't getting into those opportunities to allow him to use his pace. That seems to have solved itself now. Yeah, he is getting there. He is getting there. So, Sale, a lot to be proud of from that Sale team. Um, Leinster struggled in the first half. Genuinely, struggled to break Sale down. Um, struggled with some of the the running and attacking lines from Sale, but they always they, it was never a, in doubt they were always going to win this game and they were always going to get a bonus point win mm. and they did it at a canter in that second half. Yeah, and they they did take their foot off the gas and Sale got in with two late tries to yes. make the scoreline look the scoreline looks, looks more respectable. But it was like it was. Uh, they were twenty five points up with two minutes to go, mm. so it was it was already game over at that point, uh, twenty minutes before that. Uh, and, and I suppose the other one of the favourites, just talking, we'll go from Leinster to Toulouse. Who look? Oh my goodness me, they look good. That w- that was a worrying result for a lot of other teams because Quins are a good team. Quins are also a flaky team, aren't they? I know that's a bit of a cliche, but it's absolutely true. They will come at you flying but they are susceptible to conce- conceding points no no yes they are susceptible but not they haven't been and not you and that doesn't normally happen at home and after a really good win in, in very difficult circumstances away in paris last week but maybe paris aren't the team that we think they are maybe they're not maybe the lancaster effect it yeah. is interesting it is a matchup thing isn't it because i was just i'm just looking at quinn's results and they've been very, it's been all of their matches have been really close all season, except for Newcastle. We can sort of put that one to one side, uh, but except for now, and they absolutely spanked Sale a couple of weeks back, if you remember. Yeah, I do. But they got absolutely humped by Toulouse today, and they got humped by Saracens last month. So it's kind of every now and again against particularly good teams, they will not just lose narrowly. They'll get pumped, hammered. Yeah, I yeah. think it's something, probably something to do with the way that they play as as well. Like if they if they can't get on the front foot and they can't start exploiting the holes and attacking um, in the way that they do, I think that that compounds into their defence. I think it gets to the men, it gets to them mentally. And you know, when you're as big as Toulouse and as sturdy as Toulouse, you you will stop them, stop them scoring, and then you start getting over there, get, getting over, over the game line, and it all compounds. I think what I've, I've been thinking for a while when I watch France, what they really need is uh, a large man in their pack. Yeah, <laughs> they're really struggling for that. Who are you thinking of? Uh, Emmanuel Mayafu. Oh my goodness, he looked good. Yeah, but big bodies, mate. You, you, you just can't replace sheer size. Absolute yeah. shoe in to be in their Six Nations squad. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not. The reason I don't want to talk about that game so much is because I didn't really watch it that closely. The game I did watch very closely was Northampton Toulon. 
I loved it. I loved Friday night. Can we persuade Courtney Laws to not to 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 come back into the international fold because he's playing that well? No, leave him be. Leave him be. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you I, need these players playing their best uh, best rugby week in week out. I don't need him playing for really well for I Northampton. I, 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 I prefer want watching him play for Northampton. He's the best blindside flanker in the world. Well, no, in <laughs> the northern in the northern hemisphere. Yeah, like Peter Steftatoy only would best him. I don't know in a head to head. And, uh, and on that the, on that basis, he should be playing on the very look, highest stage. Look at the Toulouse back. Man, yeah, the man opposite him, Olivon, wearing number seven. Wearing seven, but please. He's a blindside flanker. Yeah. I mean, he's he was up there with Olivon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, was, he was man of the match. Yeah, courts. Again. What are you after doing? After last week, his try-saving tackle, uh, which I watched several times, actually, just to see where he came from. Yeah. And when the kick was uh, collected by the Toulon player, he was the furthest forward of all the Northampton players. So he covered more ground than anyone else to get back for that. He, he's playing so, so well. He, sh- he really should be. Uh, because because of the um, exceptional circumstances with the number of injuries and number of injuries to captains, uh, those who have captained no, He should be starting for England and be their captain. There's yes, no he should be in the Six Nations. Yeah. He, he definitely. Cool. So what are you doing, man? No, let him, leave him be. Uh, I want You're to see a him. Welshman, you can't comment on this. I, I want to see him. And, uh, you, do you not want to see him £100,000 richer? I'd love to see him £100,000. Yeah, I would actually. I would like to see him £100,000 richer. There's no two ways about that. Um, But on the other hand, I want to see... I I love watching club rugby. So I want the highest quality of club rugby. And last two years, we've hardly seen him at all for Northampton. I tell you what, if you like... like Five appearances or something. If you like club rugby that much, you should pay Courtney Laws £100,000 out of your own pocket, out of Beardmore, Beardmore, Beardmore and Beardmore pocket so he no, doesn't no, play no, for England no, 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 no. that's not my game that is that is a game for men like Simon Orange and Steve Lansdowne <laughs> oh by the way gents we've uh, had a, I've got lovely um, had some contact from uh, with Northampton batting back and forth and oh, yeah. and, and um, knowing that it's my beloved Bayonne and oh. knowing and knowing how massive a fan we are of just Courtney Laws in general and the great work that's being done at Ooh. Northampton, it's just a an invite extended from Saints. That I'd love to oh, go. Really, I've never been to, to Frank to Friday, Frank Friday the twelfth of Jan. Yes, I awesome. definitely go. Yes, I'm definitely go. Yeah, I'm I'm keen for that as well. Um, so let's talk about Saints. Um, wh- where do we even start? No, let's talk about Toulon. Uh, Toulon do seem to be like just a collection of players thrown together, don't they? <laughs> uh, yeah, there's two. Guys in there who are ex-Saints. That, I mean, that is cool. that is how they were when they were at their very best. That is true, yeah. Yeah, but except it's not like Peter... Uh, you know, if this was the modern... If this was the modern-day version of the old Toulon, it'd be Peter Stefter Toy, it would be... In fact, it'd just be the whole South African pack, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> with, uh, with Owen Farrell at 10. Owen Farrell at 10. Uh, so, yeah, some, yeah. some white lock would be in there. It'd be Owen Farrell and Bowden Barrett playing 10-12 for ridiculous <laughs> reasons that we don't understand. Um <laughs> But like you know, Ben White, it, it, yeah. Ben White is not the answer to winning the European Cup. But it was good to see him playing well. I, I've always liked Ben White. I liked him when he's at Leicester. I liked him when he's at Irish. So that was pretty cool. Uh, pr- pretty pretty cool, cool to see. Jack Singleton, Kieran, Kieran Brooks, Dave, Dave Ribbons, uh, and then halfway through, I was like, who needs who needs Dave Ribbons anyway? They're absolutely battering <laughs> too, too long. But I think the reality of this game was they were lucky to win it. But they put themselves in a situation to win it, and that's probably mm. the more important. Oh, Dan Bigger, there's another one. Yes, mm. yeah. Well, Dan Bigger is actually kind of like yeah, the sort of player the old... they should be having. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Mel- Melvin Jaminet had one of the biggest horrors 
for a try I've I've ever seen. But then turn, absolutely turned turned on. So I heard that he just didn't fit in in Toulouse for whatever reason it was. He just didn't make much of a difference. So he was signed for he's, Toulouse. He's not Tom Ramos, basically. Who was well, incredible, by no, the way. No, so what happened was, when Toulouse got rid of, I want to say Cheslin Colby, they sold him for a lot of money. They had a lot of money to spend. Yeah, yeah. And Jaminet was like, right, oh, we're right, going to go and go and get a big name to fill the shoes of Colby, who didn't work and also went to Toulon after Colby screwed over, not just Toulouse, but then to, but then Toulon. So it looks like Jaminet has followed in the shoes of wherever Colby has previously been. <laughs> now he started off poor but he is one hell of a player when he started to really play he looked ace mm, he is a good player yeah as for Saints their game plan the way that they play it's just the ferocity of their of their attack I absolutely love it and got an email on this I'm trying to think of the try yes it was the offload from Tommy Freeman I don't know how that is physically possible yeah yeah the Freeman to Furbank for Furbank that was Furbank's second yeah. try uh, we've got an email here, contactedchasers at gmail.com from Paul Lee. Uh, and I'm going to try and just scoot through this, Paul. Um, he said, Eddie, Eddie Jones often discussed how the defence is the easy part of the game to implement. And once that was in place, they could start working on the attack patterns. And obviously that didn't work particularly well for England. Under Eddie Jones. <laughs> he says, Saints seem to have gone the other way. Chris Boyd took a team full of young talent and focused on the loose skills, very much to the detriment of the tight five in the front-up defence. Mm-hmm. They created a team which got used to watching... We, we got used to watching score lots of tries, play attractive and exciting rugby, but never able to win through the winter months. The supporters stuck with the players and coaches and always appreciated the brand they were playing, which often ended in disappointment at the sharp end. This season, they've addressed the defence by bringing in Lee Radford, and it has clicked fast. Mm. We were used to getting the odd result in matches that suited us, such as Quinns or Exeter, but the last three games, Sarri's away, Glasgow away, Toulon at home, have shown we can stand up with the best in all circumstances. The Type 5 have held their own at scrum time. The line-out has been a solid platform to launch from, and first-up tackles have mostly been positive ones, giving Jacklers a chance to win turnover ball. Are Saints now looking like a team that can go into a playoff semi and not be considered the easy draw? Keep it up, keep it up lads. Let the boys play. Yeah, I think when you look at Saints, they're just incredibly dangerous. Incredibly yeah. well-drilled, incredibly dangerous. And I, I think that is fair, that they're... Um, they can match it. They can go in. I know that currently they are outside the top four, but if they do make it into the top four, there will be uh, they're no easy ride at all because they can mix it with anyone. And they're they're um, and just looking at the Premiership table at the moment, their points against is it's basically the same as the top five teams. Yeah, slight slightly better than um, Saracens, slightly better than Harlequins. <clears throat> Marginally worse actually, than Bath and Sale. I was going to say, it's actually fewer points scored. Yeah, weirdly. Mm. Um, so so th- they're, they're a good, they're a really, really good team. If they can get to March being semi-successful. Yeah, in the top five, top six in, by March. By the time they hit the dry months, they are going to be dynamite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, yeah I, think they, I think they're looking great. They sort of, they do enough in defence, they do enough up front. And yeah, the attacking patterns are great. I'm still worried about Tom Pearson, though. I mean, again, I felt he had another completely ineffective game. So maybe it's just confirmation bias because I'm starting to watch for it now. <laughs> that but is I've, not like you. Yeah, but I've st- still not seen anything I like from him in a Saints shirt. Maybe it's because he's doing more unseen work. But yeah, he I, I tend to agree he, he was quiet. And that's, that's by his standards where Irish last year, he was so dangerous last year, the year before. Um, he was so dangerous, just throwing 
men off him. He was like unstoppable as a ball carrier. But you know yeah. the way We're sometimes you know the way sometimes teams have systems, whether it's the three-three-two or one-one mm. on each end, and you end up with a particular player that stays out in the tram lines out wide. Falatau for Wales did this for years, yep. and mm. as a result, he was always getting the ball in certain situations, which would make him do memorable Dane things. Coles. Dane Coles, perfect yep. example. Uh, th- there might be a little bit of that where London Irish had him within a system where that position just had big influences on but now he's well he's around yeah, so I, I think that is it definitely possible but the other man who wears that shirt would be Lewis Ludlam who is who would if he fair if he finds himself in the positions that Lewis Ludlam finds him in fair. you'd think he would be as noticeable as Ludlam is yeah. in a same shirt I do agree with the thrust of what you're saying Tim because we know this is a great player we know yes. it because he's one of the best players in the premiership last year so I'm not doubting his quality. I'm just doubting the employment of him for Northampton. And maybe it's just a timing thing that he's taking a little while to get up to speed in a new club. He's not quite hit the ground running the same way that Lawrence or Barbary have. But he is a really talented player, so I, I have no doubt it will come. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the last player of the game, effectively the last player of the game, was an absolute nightmare for Toulon. Did you see this? So this is where they've got two men in the bin... And they're going Sorry, to... not the, no, the, the binning of the two players. Okay. What a turnaround. So in one phase of play, they suffer two yellow cards. And it takes some balls as, as a referee to do that. Yeah, yeah. You say one yellow card will be plenty. Yeah, yeah that's fine. And we'll let the other guy off. Like, no, you're having a yellow. Um, you're having a yellow. <laughs> just on, on that broader point, and this has come up in group chats with, with guys in our group chats that actually referee, but there is more... The, the, the footballification of rugby is continuing it's not it doesn't happen all of a sudden it's always incremental and very slowly almost imperceptible the changes but where it is now versus where it was a couple of years ago is it's it's taken quite some leap forward both in terms of all the chops in at the ref the play acting i saw it from jack jack crowley what did he do there was a tackle i can't remember who it was it was a penalty against was it jack crowley no 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 it was in um it was in the it wasn't one of the Saracens game, was it? No, it was, I think it. Yeah, I think it. And was it Jack Crowley? Was oh, it? was it Harvey Skinner? Yes, Harvey Skinner put a tackle in towards the end of the game. Harvey Skinner and banged him. He, he banged fair. him, and it, and it was a. It was given a high tackle, and it was chest first, rode up towards the chin. But Jack Crowley was holding his face. Well, and I, it was. It was. It and I've seen it quite a few times this weekend. It looks like simulated dives. Do you know? Uh, I'm going to stick up for Jack Crowley here because I saw it hit. And I thought, A, Skinner's obviously been watching Owen Farrell's worst hits or greatest hits, depending on which side of the fence you're on. Um, and he hit him so hard in the chest. I thought, oh, that's fine, because the initial contact was in the chest. But I'll hold your face. But when it rose up, it was like an uppercut. I thought, bloody hell, that does look painful. Yeah, so hold your face. I don't know. I don't think I'd hold my face I if I just know. got uppercutted. The incentives are there. It's, I but suppose yeah. it's, it's always probably going to happen, and it's the... It's it's all the talk of rugby values which don't really exist. They don't exist. Which so D- Dan Robson, there was a tweet from him last week uh, on the 9th of December, and I don't actually know what game he was watching at the time. But he his point was, if you grab your head and go down whinging, you have to go off for a HA. Yeah, surely. rightly so. Too much play acting going on nowadays, yeah. and I I think that that is right. Like, the incentives are there to mean you will uh, or players will unless it's stamped out um let's, let's just say play act because that's the word that dan robson has used but if you go down and hold on your head 
It is an immediate HIA. So no questions asked. Stuart Barnes wrote an article last week in the Times about the La Rochelle um, Leinster game, and it was actually quite interesting because he was saying that this was the game which was the worst of rugby because both teams made it in- so hard for the referee to referee by you know arguing by you Matt, know Matt Carley was the ref. Yeah, you know, and kind of... and he said to James Ryan, "I'm not going to talk to you." Yeah, the co-captains. Partly co-captains because should be banned. I, yeah, co-captains. What's that about? Yes, yeah, co-captains should be banned. There's not, not. Why don't you just make yeah. all fifteen captain? <laughs> you know, co-captains gone. It's one captain. But I was thinking about this from a competitive advantage point of view. Like, if one team is making it hard to ref and you make it easy to ref, you will get the rub of the green. Mm. You just will. Well, will but um, that's what good captains do. Yeah, I guess. I guess you're right. It is a gamble, though. Yeah. But it's a gamble, and you're hoping the referee comes out on your side and doesn't like get fed, like feel bad for yeah. getting nagged all the time, that kind of thing. It's like the um, quite often. I th- I'm I'm sure that some of the not, not I, I love the Ben Earl celebration thing, but I'm sure some of that type of celebrating when say a a mall gets collapsed and goes down and people start going yeah, they're doing that to preempt the decision that oh that was oh, a collapsed mall think... scramble. So maybe they are. But I always think of doing that, particularly when you're away from home. So we used to talk about it all the time in Broughton Park. It's making your own atmosphere. So getting excited for your mates. And yeah. I'm sure Saracens are doing that. Oh, no, definitely. It's just like, we just celebrate absolutely everything. And it does get under your skin <clears throat> as the opposition. Really, and there's nothing wrong with it. I love it. Oh, no. There was a... So I think I mentioned it. Phil's um, old... Uh, your, do you call it alma mater when you're... Alma mater? Alma mater, or your old university, your alumni, sorry, that's the word yeah. I was thinking. That, yeah. That's, oh, like, yeah. that's an American phrase, isn't it? But yeah. anyway, um, you're, you're, you're the alumni from Lancaster University, and they brought one of their teams to play the Manchester Metropolitan University team that I did. And it, I tell you what, even just as coach, you know, just standing on the sideline, the, the, the travelling Lancaster Uni lads going, woo, woo! <laughs> Everything. It's very annoying, it, it got so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> it did the job. It does do the job. And also, the arguing with the ref. I mean, sometimes it works. And all, mm. you know, like you watch Dan Bigger play. Everyone knows Dan Bigger is just outstanding. You know, where he talked, like he was on BT, no, TNT Sport, talking to one of the presenters. And he's just, you know, he's a great rugby mind, a great ambassador for rugby. But you probably wouldn't want to copy his behaviour as a kid on the field when he's talking to the ref because he's always, always talking. So you can be like that. But alternatively, Wales have also had someone like Alan Wynne Jones, who has been captain, who captains just with his sheer gravitas. Sam Warburton. Warburton. Yeah, Yeah. Warburton's a great example. Jack Jack Morgan now. Yeah, there's so many ways to do this. Now, the question is, what's the most effective way? I, I don't think it's that effective. I don't actually think... I think referees can get on your side. I don't think it makes a huge difference either way. Well, I think because of the incentive structure, I think if it was if it was something that was very much disadvantageous, it would have stopped. Mm. Maybe. Maybe. I also think the referees that we use in the Champions Cup, I mean, I was watching um, the Georgian fella. Hamish yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. He was, yeah. he was really, really... And he handled the, the last... Two minutes, yeah, super. Really well. When someone lobbed the ball. second ball on, yeah, I thought he handled that really well. Yeah. yeah, I think actually the refs are so smart to this. The English refs are great. I think there's too much professionalism within the referee ranks to be swayed that much. And if they are going to be swayed, it's going to be swayed by good behaviour because that's what they want to incentivize. So I don't really put too much stock into the Stuart Barnes argument at all. Really, but, but it's an interesting way of thinking. There def- is. There's definitely play acting going on. There's oh, no there, is, there is. Yeah, 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 there is. There is. There is only one tactic that is 
proven effective uh, for influencing referees over, well, several years now. And that is recording a 62-minute video accusing <laughs> an individual ref of racism. Two World Cups for that. And that is proven to work, so everyone should just do that. Two World Cups and a line series. Can't, can't, <laughs> yeah, can't argue well, with that. Well, admittedly, one of the World Cups was not influenced by that. you know that, what I'm trying to say, uh, actually? Uh, uh, Lions had another. Phil's made a great point. What I'm trying to say is, if you're going to ad hoc annoy a referee, it's not going to work. But if you build a whole, <laughs> you know, machinery around yeah it. the institution yeah, is yeah. the destruction you, of referees and you do it over the course of what two years four, <laughs> a four year a four year cycle of destroying referees on video it will work and it is effective exactly. so it's, it's whichever route you want to go really <laughs> just on South Africa for a minute that a lovely moment at the end but bearing in mind the the goal kicking issues he had only a few oh, months Lib- ago Marnie Libok not that Libok will care because he's a, he's a World Cup winner but mm. uh, lovely moment for him getting that last minute injury time Final kick of the match from to, the to win it from the touchline. Yeah. And did you see the end of that game as well? Mm. So there was a disallowed try yep. for La Rochelle. La Rochelle scored to go, it would have put them 13 points up with four minutes left on the clock. Yeah, there were loads of people from uh, in Cape Town already in the car on the way home. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the try, I think the kick had already been uh, La Rochelle, because yeah. La Rochelle on the clock we're on doing 27 points yeah correct and then it got pulled back for a yellow card probably correctly yellow yeah. card um no arms tackle which led to a head on head and then stormers score with the last kick of the game to yeah. make it 19 20 libok from the touchline and nails it i tell you what it is very fortunate that south sharks got that win against star francais because the remaining games are stormers and la rochelle Ooh. That is you know, a hell of an ask. Where do they do they play Stormers away? If you've got Stormers at, at home, you're all right. Well, you should, yeah, you Stormers should be away. Uh, so La Rochelle at home and... Oh, they could get, when's that La Rochelle game? That'd be good to go and watch. They could get zero points out of those two games. Sunday 21st. January. Nice. Mm. Yeah. That's the weekend before we go to Paris. It is. You coming, Jay? Can you work it? I think it? so. I think I can. Mm. I think I can. So, oh, yes. Um... Did anyone see, see Tigers? Yes. Yeah. yeah this yeah. was a mighty impressive display, actually. Wasn't it? It really was. Because, again, the, the team that they put out... So it's not, a, it's not a full second string in the same way that Sale was a full second string. But they, they rested all of their World Cup players, pretty much. And then they lost uh, another England player, Ollie Hassel Collins, um, be- shortly before the game, which meant their third choice fly half became their <laughs> third choice uh, fullback. In Charlie Atkinson. Yeah, he ended up with the yellow card. And also concerns me, because I was hoping he might kick on to be like the true number two, and maybe the successor to yeah. um, Pollard. doesn't look like he is. I think he's maybe... No, and it's, it's funny, because a couple of years ago, if you'd have asked me who's got um, more talent, or who would do I think he's going to be more of a success... Finn Smith or Charlie Atkinson, oh, I probably would have said. Didn't listen to Dimes then, did you? Dimes knows. Dimes knew. Dimes knew. If only Dimes was managing a French club, it'd be such an easy decision. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, Atkinson. I mean, he did all right. Um, yellow yellow so, card. So yeah. Yellow card was right. Does that mean Leicester didn't beat your beloved Stade Francais? You haven't committed to. Uh, I've Stade definitely Francais. not committed. I, I can't really. <sighs> yeah, not yet. I, I just can't. I can't get on board with the Gustard influence and I can't get on board with the Lancaster influence for the two Paris teams. It's difficult for me. 
and, very difficult. And um, Kremer's now not there. Kremer's not there. Meanwhile, I absolutely love Ronan O'Gara. I, I love his attitude. And it, it, but it's the, the transport links to La Rochelle just aren't working for me. <laughs> if La Rochelle... It's direct flights... Uh, in in the spring and summer, but do you want us really go for a weekend in La Rochelle? I mean, maybe once, yeah, but like go to a nice little cognac tasting. Yeah, once. Do they, do they have, were they called vineyards when they make cognac or distillery? Got no idea. Distillery, no idea. Yeah, um, yeah. So Leicester, Archie Vans looks like he could be a player. He looks all right. Yeah, three tries, three tries, fairly handy. Yeah, so this looked a little bit more like a first a first string Star Francais team. Um, I don't really know what the first string Stade Francais team is. I know, I know Marchant is in it, and I know Makalu is in it. That's about all. I did like the boy at 15. Berry. Barret Barret, yeah. Leo Barret, when he scored an absolute worldie. Yeah. yeah. But he looked handy as well, like great rangy runner and rapid as well. Um, but he was standing in at, at 10 and distributing quite a lot as well. He, he looked... I'd never... I've never knowingly watched him before, but he looked very handy. Yeah, being exposed to these French teams over the last couple, couple of weeks, it is amazing how many good second-rate South Africans exist in the world. <laughs> <laughs> you would walk into almost every other international, international team, team. And most premiership teams, and you don't know they even exist. Um, is Jamie Ward South African? Don't know. I suspect he is with that name, and he's... He's obviously a very good player. There's so many props up and down the league. So I was looking at all the team sheets, which were due to play the premiership teams, and South African after South African after South African. Like, the depth of that country produces. It's just incredible. Yeah. Um, George Morton was class, I thought, today. Um, I thought Jamie Shulcock put in a great effort. But actually, the real praise, in my mind, has to go to the replacements. Harry Wells, when he came on, was simply superb. Yeah. His final turnover at yeah, the, the end. Yeah, the turnover. And the other guy that I like, who is that? Who's that young flanker that they bought on? Yeah, I've seen him a couple of times. He is an enormous boy. Yeah. Enormous. Leone. That's the one. So he was standing next to McAloo. And McAloo, I think, is a big lad. But he like, is a big lad. Unbelievable. I mean, we know he's fast. We know he, he's fast anyway. He's such a good player. Yeah, he he's such on, a dangerous player. Did he go on, I think he got on the outside of Anthony Watson and Dan Kelly. Yeah, down the left wing. And just went. Yeah, like, oh yeah, my yeah. word, this is different. So if it wasn't for the cover defence, he'd be in there. Um, yeah, sorry, he's standing next to Makalu, who I know is a big boy. And he's, just bro- he's about the same height, but just bigger and broader. Yeah. And his first intervention is a steal. And he gets straight over the ball. Cheers. He is. He's a handy player. He's very young as well. He's played like about... He's played twenty odd games for Leicester, I think. Has he really? He's played quite a bit for them. In, he, he went on loan. To, went on loan to Nottingham a few years ago when he was just sort of eighteen, nineteen. But um, yeah, he's a he's a proper talent. Um, Jeremy Ward, uh, the thirteen for Stade Francais. Yep, born in Port Elizabeth. There we go, South Africa. Ooh, what's that hammering? Mm-hmm. Interesting. What's going on? Bit of construction upstairs. <laughs> Phil, yeah, I'm always interested. Does Phil like... need to go and oversee it? Oversee it? <laughs> no, I'll just let him crack on. It'll be fine. Uh, is that your neighbours or is that it's probably upstairs? Rude. No, it's probably upstairs. Yeah. Um, wow. I was going to say uh, Lester Etienne's absolute howler at the end was something to behold. Oh, on the wing. <laughs> Do you see that, Tim? Yeah. No, what? what uh, Crossfield yeah, kick. kick. Crossfield kick to win it. Oh, I know. Land, lands in his hands. I like, oh, I'll probably just throw us on. He was great when he came on as well. Yeah, strong. Yeah, he was everywhere. Um, so, 
All right, what games haven't we touched well, on? B- brief interlude. Like okay. I- I'm, I'm sort of so smug at the minute that you two have got small children as we approach Christmas, which is wonderful and magical and all of that. Oh, it's great. But the amount of shit that's <laughs> going to be in your houses this time next week. All right, I've just told everyone if you want to, if you want to buy something, just buy a book. Like d- nothing else. We don't need any more cheap. Oh no! Plastic I'm just stuff. saying, please oh. buy me the cheapest plastic stuff you can find. <laughs> but actually, I t- tell like book or Lego for Thomas. Which always oh good. nice yeah can't very go good. wrong yeah cash uh, bitcoin cash. <laughs> <laughs> some, some, some of those good um, <laughs> some of those good Chinese app websites are great for knockoff Lego you wouldn't know the difference oh really yeah, yeah. That does make sense, actually, doesn't it? There's a few. Uh, yeah. I think there's a knockoff uh, X-wing in on my son's like bookshelf. Uh, a knockoff. Um, uh, what's it called? I'm what's, amazed, what's, what's the big thing in Star Wars? The Death Star. Oh yeah. Oh, can you take the Lego for Thomas today? Yes. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll take. I tell you what. I'll take one of them this week, and then one of them next week. And if you are yours, do yours, to, uh, JB. I'm talking to here because I feel like I know the answer will be yes. Does. Do Annabelle and Lucy go go and do Santa? Absolutely, absolutely. They do go and yep. Well, yep. they'll be going. Well, they'll, well, they'll do it do it this year. Last year we went to Lapland in Windsor. Oh, is it Windsor? No. Uh, oh, oh, is that where Lapland is? Okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> Lapland in a forest oh, it, somewhere. Yeah. So they did it. At, um, what's it called? The National Trust place near. Oh, I um, think Quarry Bank Mill. Oh, okay, cool. So. Um, did that last weekend. We were actually discussing doing Lapland. I was like, uh, both of us, because um, some load of Claire's friends have paid the X thousand pounds to go and sit three hours on a train, then three hours on a coach, then mm. three hours on a transfer, uh, and both of us agreed there is absolutely no way Oh, Lapland, Earth. Lapland. Yeah, there is no way on Earth we're no. ever doing Lapland, Lapland. I tell you the thing which really... So I went to my daughter's nativity, what a waste of time. <laughs> what a waste of time. You actually had a secular Christmas performance. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, sorry, sorry, non-secular. Uh, no, no, an they, they go to a... Non-secular. C, a, a CV, a CV school. Right, there you go. Right. Uh, proper ethics and all that. <laughs> uh, what a waste of time. Like, I, I sat there and I just realised, this is not for me. It's not even for my daughter. It's for every middle-aged woman who just loves this stuff. I got a bit choked up when I when I used to do the old uh, Christmas performances. I, uh, you could, I, I could not... I enjoyed it. We had Thomas's first one. So I've got a real issue with this. Like, It's very nice to have the occasional play. So I've had two plays, and I had... I don't know if I spoke on the podcast before about this. Their achievement ceremony, which is at the start of the year. I think you did mention it and they just su- Yeah, they just sung um, a rendition of We Are Simply the Best. I'm like, they're simply not the best. Right? <laughs> There's no way that these kids, I mean, they're very nice kids. I, I love them dearly, but they're simply not the best. And they shouldn't be singing that they are simply the best. I'd much rather go to school. If they're going to show me something, I'm talking to Phil about this before, why can't we have something competitive, like competitive spelling bee, competitive maths, some sort of quiz, something where like you, they can actually show me what they have achieved. Don't tell me you're great. Show me you're great. And, and just this constant... It's just things to satisfy mothers. That's all it is. To satisfy smug mothers, or their smug children. Or I liked the Christmas performances. I, I went and saw, um, although I, I go to the, the non-CV, the, the, I can't remember, secular, that means non-religious. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, so. I went to the secular school up the road where all the riffraff go. Uh, well, the, oh, my kids went there, because it's around the corner from my house. And uh, uh, Louis, in his year six Christmas performance, was um, Eric Morecambe. Why? In well, like a, in like a, as, it was Eric Morkin's character in some Morkin and Wise 
thing where he good was God. like, a, <laughs> yeah, and, good God. and my daughter was a space was spaceman number three. <laughs> no wonder you choked <laughs> up. I'd, I'd 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 cry if I was uh, infli- if that was inflicted on on me. Well, it was good. I I enjoyed it as well. Spaceman number three. I tell you what, in a, in the school play, Peter Pan was played by a girl. Why? They've that's got plenty. What, that's, of what they, that's what they do in pantomimes. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, maybe that's why they did it then. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I didn't know that. Quite often, the main char- in pantomimes, the main character is played by a woman at, as a male. And oh, that's Pe- maybe why they did it. And Peter Pan's one of them. Mm. It's, it's like they have the, the widow twanky yeah. um, cross-dressing one. Ah, oh, I don't know. That makes more sense. Uh, look, plays have their place. Plays have their place. And they were very, very good. But I want to see them doing something competitive. Well, you're just disappointed that you didn't get chance to sing uh, We Are The Champions or Simply The Best <laughs> after your Sports Day victory in the 100-yard dash. I'm, no. Im- I'm imagining that... Everyone knew I was the best. I'm, <laughs> completely, I'm imagining that scene in The Office when Ricky Gervais is doing the <clears throat> the, mo- the motivational talk with in that little room and running around Simply The Best. Yeah, it was similar. It was similar. <laughs> your, your victory. <laughs> um, Have I got this right? Sports day. I'm just reading a headline here, but sorry, before we go back into that, this is a rugby story. Have you seen who's the new Fiji head coach? Uh, I no. see this. I, th- I reckon I could, if I didn't tell you, you could be guessing till next week. I'm sure I Ooh, saw Steve this. But I can't remember. Uh, it was Vern Cotter, wasn't it? So... Because um, what it was Simon Ralu? Yeah, who's now gone to no, the. But it was Vern Cotter before that, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, but Simon Ralooney has gone to the um, World Rugby kind of elite coaching team or whatever it is. They've gone for a dual code, former dual code code international. Chris Ashton, Mike Rogerson, Israel Flau. Who is he? <laughs> Barry John Mather. Or Mather. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even know he coached. I, so I didn't. Uh, I once met. Barry John Mather. Uh, you got one England captain. Yes, he did. Against Wales, lost. I met him because he was working... God, the last time I thought about Barry John Mather, he was working for Kukri. Kukri. Sell, really? Selling stash. Yeah. Hang on. Where's he coached before? I don't know. Barry John Mather. I, I feel, as a rugby podca- a po- podcaster, with 10 years of podcasting, I would have heard of jo- Barry John Mather coaching somewhere. Yeah. Other than just landing in Fiji. Uh, he told Fiji Times, I'm excited to work with all the great guys here and build on the success, blah, 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 blah. Uh, beating England or Australia should become the expectation from the fans. But, uh, former, Formerly <coughs> the performance director at the New South Wales Institute of Sport. Interesting. Played once for England rugby under Clive mm. Woodward. Yeah, so I, yeah, I remember him one cut. I would be very cautious if I was... So, that's it. so he's not been coaching rugby? So he's um, on his Wikipedia... His Wikipedia has a coaching section, which said uh, he became. <laughs> so he was appointed coach of Blackpool RFC in North Lank One. Solid. Following his, following this, he became head coach of Heaton Moor Rugby. What? I want local rivals. <laughs> in two thousand, so that, that this is, is like level, Moore in, level seven uh, or lower. Yeah. Um, in two thousand six, two thousand six, seventeen years ago. He was appointed academy coach at Guinness Premiership side London Irish. Okay. That is the end of his coaching section of his Wikipedia page. Amazing. His management section yeah. says, <clears throat> on 11th of June 2009, it was announced Mather would become the RFL uh, 
head of player development. So that would be similar uh, to academy coach okay. uh, at London Irish. As part of his role, he's also the England team manager. So team management plus player development. And then in 2014, between 2014 and 20, uh, 2014 and 2020, he was general manager of the new NSWRL, New South Wales Rugby League, based in Australia. So he has been doing that side of things. Well, I mean, it is important. There are guys out there who are not particularly great coaches, but are good managers. Mm. And that's maybe where he steps and in. And maybe with people as incredibly naturally gifted as Fijian rugby players, you just need someone who can organise things. To run well. a programme. Yeah. So run a programme with, with specific... Yeah. skills and attack and scrum and I imagine the man you mentioned earlier Mark Evans would have had a big role to play in selecting that I person I imagine so yeah mm. so or it might have had, certainly had some input yeah so hmm and the only thing I'd be cautious of is his statement when he says beating Australia and England should be the, exp- the expectations of, um, of the norm or whatever it is because it's all very well to say that if you've got a track record of constantly beating England and Australia, but if you've never done it before... Well, I think that was his point. It's like they've started to beat Australia and yeah, compete with England. Yeah, but he's never done it before. No. You know, as a coach of another nation, maybe don't say that because he probably wouldn't be a guy that I'd ask, how do you do it? Mm. Because he's not done it. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> it's... I mean, Harlequins have a... Well, head coach or someone who you've never heard of. Um, you, you would have heard of him, but he doesn't coach day-to-day. Yeah. What's his name? Who is the like team manager? Is he team manager or is yeah, he actually he's director of rugby? Director he's of... something funny like that. He's not a day to day coach. Yeah. But he is I know like exactly the, head the, of the guy you mean. Now. He was from Cardiff. Yeah. Was it? I'm sure, ta- sure he had a job sort of like GM or something for a, a little while. Yeah. There's a few uh, other examples of that where you get a coach who's gone, you know, into. I guess, uh, I guess Razzi would be that. South Africa, but yeah, running a program is important. Maybe that's what he's what he's doing. But I've not heard of him doing anything coaching wise for a long, t- well, mm. ever since Heaton Moore. And, 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 and the only other Heaton Moore, Billy Millard, Billy Millard, Billy Millard. The only other, not well, not the only other. There's others, but the one big other story off the rugby pitch in terms of movement. It looks like, and I don't know how this is going to go down badly. I would suggest, but Bath have been gazumped by Leinster. For the signature of R.G. Snayman. That is a large story. Yeah. For someone who's barely played other than for South Africa, it uh, doesn't really make that much sense. And when the IRFU are so kind of crucial for moving the piece around the chessboard, it seems weird. Well, just this, uh, that first game that he plays in the Leinster jersey if he ever Munster, plays, if he, if ever, he play. ever plays, <laughs> is going to be spicy. So, on him... Yeah, it's an interesting one. How does the Irish policy work in relation to second rows? Are you allowed one second row, or is it two shirts? Is it two numbers? Because it's one scrum half, isn't it, out of the four? So when... That's what I'm trying to... Sorry, I'm making no sense, am I? When Pienaar left Mm -hmm. Ulster, it was was because because some other... uh, James from Gibson Park. Yeah, who came, who was not Irish, who was not Irish qualified, then became Irish qualified. You can only have one... Pienaar, by the way, who was still playing this weekend for Sharks... Was, was he played for Sharks this weekend? For sharks this weekend. Good lad. Fair play. Lots so, is it one second row they're allowed in the league, or is it two second rows because there's two second row slots? Uh, I don't even know if it is that hard and fast. I don't know fast. if it's hard and fast, but... It might just be the IRFU. No, no it, it actually is hard and fast. What? That's why Pienaar had to go. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so, so, as in, I know they made Pienaar go, but I don't know if it is written down anywhere. Uh, as in, I've never seen it written down anywhere, but they... You're, you're exactly right. Oh, you might lead. Sorry. There you go. They did make... They definitely made Pinar go. 
But whether it is a hard and fast rule that says one shirt, two shirts, yeah, can there only ever be 15 uh, foreign qualified players? No, probably not. They probably can have more than that uh, yeah. in total and across the four different teams. I also anything to do with Jean Klein no longer being Irish. Uh, potentially, So yeah. they had one Irish second row and one South African second row. Your Irish second row becomes South African again, so just move the other South African across the way. Because he is a big draw. He's one of the few names in rugby who's a real big name. I don't know if that would have made any difference. I, I can't imagine the IRFU would care that Munster had two. Yeah, I think they would, because you want to be developing players across the nation, I think. I think... Yeah. Maybe, and maybe that, maybe it is to do with that. And I've already paid him a lot of money to get healthy, so may as well keep him, keep him in, <laughs> in, in Ireland. Half a million euro he's going to be getting to go to Leinster, apparently. Very nice. Which, yeah, that's, that is going to go down badly in, yeah, in it the is. southwest. It is. Uh, can I just quickly um, address thing which I spoke about last week, which was the concussion lawsuit? Mm. Well, should we wrap up the rugby? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, um, what games we've not touched on what, Saracens. I was going to say, really. Jack, we've got an email here, contacttedchasers at gmail.com, which just kind of anything we might have missed, this might spark a thought. Uh, summary of the weekend from Jack. To Jack. Northampton can win with their kids. Sale can't, but they got mighty close at the RDS. Sarri's won, but look porous. Yeah, we haven't mentioned that one. Sarri's did look good, porous. Mentioned yeah. Ollie, Ollie Hartley. Fine. We kind of... Yeah, good, it, good Saracens, good going forward. Good win. Yeah, um, not so good in defence. Yeah, G- Gonzalez looks good. He does. Yeah, uh, Bath won, but also looked porous. Agree. Uh, Bears got mauled. Yes, they did. But Bordeaux look yeah very very good this year. We didn't really touch on that, other than to say Bears uh, Pano Pano was fantastic. Oh, I would like to say this. Um, isn't it awesome to see Benny Tapway tearing it up? <laughs> Benny yeah. Taps. A bit of a premiership legend in my mind, even though he's not been there for a long, long time. Pre- well, Great really? Player. Bath, yeah. But I, in- I always injured Bath. most of the time he was in no, England. Injured at Harlequins. It's a bit like Francis Saley. No, injured at Harlequins, dynamised at Bath. He was very good at Bath. Mm. Because he went from... He's, yeah, he was, he he was the, decent in a bad Bath team. Oh, it was a that very could be bad anyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, could be Miles Reed. It could be that could be Bayless. That could be uh, Leroy Houston. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Leroy. He went, he went the other way to Jamie Roberts, didn't he? So Jamie Roberts was in Harlequins, yeah. and Bath were like, "Oh my god, big shiny Jamie Roberts. We'll have him." And they sent and they sent Benny Taps to Harlequin. Yeah, to Harlequins. Yeah. I don't know if he went straight to um, Bordeaux from there, but uh, I think Benny Taps is a good test. So if you're watching that game, you're like, oh look, it's Benny Tapwai Premiership. Um, Ex-premiership player. It means that you know know your premiership rugby. It's a good test. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then he says... But he played for the Sharks for a bit, didn't he? He went somewhere strange. But he was well, nice really to, uh, good. Just on old premiership legends popping up again, it was great to see Toulouse Vianu. Yes, in a sense. Yeah. shirt. <clears throat> um, so Jack goes on to say, Quinn's fought, but were eventually condemned to lose. Yes. Paul Gustard's stad felt agonisingly short against Leicester. Rob Baxter is Sir Alex Ferguson and The Undertaker because Chiefs <laughs> keep coming back from the dead. And he says, commiserations to Tim's beloved Bayon. Yes, I didn't want to mention that one. And congratulations to Phil's beloved Ulster. Big win. Who are pride. Did you see the Glasgow try, the number eight scored? Where he gassed the winger? Matter. No. No, it wasn't Matter. Oh, no, he's no, Edinburgh. He's Edinburgh. No, um, Miller. Oh, yeah, Wheels. Who, they said he's an X7s player. Yeah. And he gassed, I don't know who it was, I don't know who your winger was, but he was left for dead by number eight. It was awesome. 
Yeah, Bayon. It's all about next year. We're we're building a nice, we're building a handy team. We would have had. Who's the player Bayon would have had last year? Except if they hadn't, or the year before last, if they hadn't got relegated. Someone very, very good. I can't remember. It got cancelled. But now we're getting Matteo Carreras, so that's all good. Yeah, that'll be handy. He won't be getting gassed by anyone. No, not a chance. Who was the player that rings a bell? Yeah, he was. I think it was an English. Mm. There's, yeah. a, there's a big player going to be going to Bayonne, but I can't. Anyway, got cancelled. Doesn't matter. It'll the only other game I don't think we've mentioned at all, which I've not really seen anything of, Leon very, very narrowly beat the Bulls at home. Yeah, I didn't. 29 that. 28. Nothing's it. Um, so I think that's rugby ticked off. What about local rugby? Um, I've not seen any scores. I don't want to because I think. What about your beloved Aylesbury? Aylesbury Drew. Ellsbury drew 17 all uh, against old Haberdashians, uh, whose club president apparently knows you, Tim, and has been drinking with you. That could be anyone. That could be anyone, actually. No, he might have mentioned, I went drinking with some of the boys that play for the team. Ah, maybe that was it. It was the boys from old Haberdashers who put me up in Nice. Ah, I see. Let me park their van at their bond lair of a place and invited me to their pool parties with... Oh, that is cool. With Swedish waitresses who they invited up from the bars. Yes. More... <laughs> it was pretty cool, um, but yeah, they they don't train. That's the team we mentioned a few weeks ago, the non-training team. Perfect. Uh, and how did Marlow get on in the same league? I need to find this out now. I know that Tok H they've not been doing too well, have they? I don't think we won this week. No, uh, I, I got a phone call. Can you play? We really are desperate for players this week. I couldn't you, do it. And you let the team down. I just couldn't do it. Uh, I said I'm you unable for four weeks. You wouldn't do it. Not could. I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Um, and believe you me, I'm not a man that says no often uh, to rugby, and I just couldn't do it. Good but little, then I realised it was it was one of the other lads' weddings. I thought, bloody hell, I'm not, I'm not stepping, I'm not cancelling my plans because you've all gone to a bloody wedding. No, unacceptable. So uh, Mar- Marlow got beaten by Chobham. I don't know why. That's just a name, I, a team name I find quite entertaining. Chobham, Cobham. Chobham and I'm going to have a look up Didsbury Tock H's I don't want to know this I'm really not looking forward to it because I know who we're playing we're playing or winnings and they are so hard if they put out a full team it might have been a really really big score against us okay the result was oh competitive old winnings 36 Tock H 28 disappointing result Uh, but Broughton Park they beat Warrington yeah, we lost to one. It was the Christmas jumper day, and it was a bit of a good, quite a good knees up at the club. Oh, nice, so. good, good, good. Yeah. Um, right there. Right. Um, Let me talk about this concussion stuff. Yeah, go on. What do you want to say? Just last week, I gave you the, sort of my angle of the of, of concussion stuff, and I think there were a few things which we, I was concerned about. The first thing was exploitation of vulnerable players, um, and when I said vulnerable players, what I meant by that is people. Well, people who've come out of the game not in the best shape on the other side. Uh, who this? I think this concussion lawsuit is attractive, uh, attractive to. Um, I s- subsequently spoke to an actual player who is going through the process uh, with Ryland solicitors, and he gave me a completely different different spin on it. And he gave me some good information as to understanding why these players wanted to sue. World Rugby and the authorities in general. And it was refreshing because being candid, when I'm looking for information, I tend to look for information which backs up what I want to think anyway. Uh, you know, every, everyone does it. I'm no different. So as a consequence, I'd never actually spoke to anyone who's had a good word to say about this concussion lawsuit. I, I mean, have either of you two? Uh, 
Say not, again. You, not, I've not, never really spoke to anyone who's in favour of it. Does that make sense? Like, oh yeah, all the all the. Uh, like well, you, you, you descri- I'm not going to describe them in the way you describe them, but all those Twitter accounts. Yeah, but they're not. I mean, they'll yeah. say things like, "Oh, we, the game needs to change because we've been sued." But they, to be fair, not many people say it's right to do this. This this lawsuit is correct, and they should be doing this because X, Y, Z. Do you see what I mean? So there's 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 two different things there. A lot of the Twitter accounts that are saying that are saying we they want to change the game are using this as cover, but they're not justifying why the cover exists. Yeah, so I've I've not spoke to anyone. I, I've not been actively speaking to people about this. I've not spoke to anyone who's been like, this is a, a big positive thing. This is the change the game needs. Yeah, kind of kind of angle. So the player that I was speaking to would not fall into the category of a vulnerable individual, a very impressive individual. We spoke for about an hour and a half. Um, and he was explaining to me the reason that, they, that these players want to do it is because they believe there has been negligence from World Rugby. They believe that they can prove it. And effectively what we've got is this problem where, if you imagine sort of like a nexus of where professional professionalism and the increase in physicality met the increase in knowledge and i think there's sort of like maybe mid mid 2000s something like that when there probably is enough evidence out there and rugby hasn't quite got caught up that to me seems like that if there's gonna be a problem area Mm -hmm. it's gonna be there it's not gonna be now it's not gonna be before that it's gonna be there yeah so you've got all of these pros playing multiple games and lads being sent back on and you know an incomplete data set you know on the ground level but maybe a little bit more is known by world by world rugby and their claim their central claim is if we'd have known all these risks, we might not have taken the risk. Yeah, so some people definitely would have done. Yeah, so I agree not with everyone that. would have done. Yeah, I mean, I I know myself well enough to know that a twenty-year-old JB would definitely have taken that risk. Yeah, and, and I hundred percent would have as well. Yeah, uh, uh, I mean, it well, depends we, what we risk. still take it now. Huh? Yeah, 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 people probably people I do. Would. But you, you do, Jay. Well, yeah, yeah, I, but you do. But to be fair. I've never been knocked out. You know, it, it, I've never had, you know, sustain... Because me... And the other thing as well, it's really important to stress, I play level seven. The reason I play level seven is I'm not brave enough or good enough to play level well, two. Or... Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah and, and the guy's playing, like, level... I, there is definitely a problem, and we I keep forgetting this when I'm talking about this case, and we all forget. There is 100% a problem at the highest level of the game. 100%. With, with, yeah, yeah. with and I, I That's what I detest about yeah. the, the one brush... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the so just a few interesting facts. Uh, sorry, a few interesting point, points of view. First, he wasn't particularly happy with the way that I described the players because it made it sound a little bit like they're all chasing the money. I never said that. I don't believe that. I do think there are some very sincere guys like the guy I was talking to who actually do think it is important that. And, and we spoke last week saying there will be some of these individuals, hopefully not many, but some who will require significant levels of care throughout their life going yeah. forward and I, I think all of us and anyone involved in the game would hope that they and their families get the support that they need I don't know if I I mean I hope they get the support that they need this is a really difficult one for me I hope they get the support that they need however at whose expense and so that, that's, that's the question yeah, that, isn't it that is a different yeah we all hope they get the support that they yeah. need so, I mean, the lesson to be learned here is if you're going to in, engage in the game of rugby, you need to know when to walk away. That would be the first thing that, you, you know, 
And you also need to put a lot of money aside in case these issues arise in the first place. But I don't think it's fair necessarily to build a massive liability on rugby <clears throat> to take away from the players who are currently playing and enduring the risk, the players that have previously played and endured the risk. That, to me, does not seem fair. Um, but on the other hand, if there was negligence and the authorities you know, covered it up, th- there is an actual case. case yeah. And that's why there is a court case to establish if that happened. Uh, and I, you know, for me, that's that's okay. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing was some of the coverage in the press was n- not particularly fair in terms of. Do you remember there was a story that Ryland's got a telling off by the master? Now the master is the judge that is the arbitrator between the two sides as they get their respective cases together. So two things happened. It's been going on so long that one master retired and they've been replaced by a second master. And that they had 12 players <coughs> whose medical records were not fully disclosed because they hadn't uh, got all of, the, all of the information yet. So he submitted like 5,000 pages of full medical information for all the other players, but 12 were incomplete. And that's what the you know big hoo-ha was all about. So not Was that just an administrative thing? No, they, they just were fairly late to the case and they hadn't... Yeah, as in it was just administrating oh, yeah, yeah. Their, their their test results, their medical information. Yes, and also because the masters had changed, one master did not require all the medical disclosure and the second one did. Mm-hmm. So the goalposts were changed somewhat. So that's what I understand to have, to, to have happened there. Um, however, I still maintain that there will be players who are looking at this for money, but not all the players, and that's important. Yeah, and yeah. that will happen in every... Definitely. You, yeah, you, didn't, you didn't say last week that all the players were looking yeah. for money. No, but I can see how it came it would come across like that. So mm. I do want to... It is important that... You know, you well, do well, I want to know: so, did 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 the, did the did the person you spoke to uh, say one of the big thrusts of the conversation last week was? I wonder how many players were assessed and were yes, excluded. Excluded. Yeah. I asked this question. I did ask this question, and he wasn't able to provide me with that information. And I don't suspect he would do. I thought no, no, it wouldn't be exactly a fair question to ask him. That's a question for the medical experts. Mm. I think if um, I were cross-examining this whole thing, that's one thing I would be asking the question. Oh, I'm though. pretty sure that, yeah. that will be asked. Uh-huh. And interestingly, I was talking to a, I was talking to a litigation solicitor about this. Um, and he was saying it's very common as well to try and pollute the applicant pool. So you've got to be careful who you accept because say if you're doing, I don't know, there's a cosmetic product which is really dangerous or something and then you're trying to find claimants for it what the cosmetic company might do is put in fake claimants to distort mm-hmm. your pool to say oh well we threw in this guy uh, did we not joke about that last yeah, week yeah 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 so that is like a very real thing um so i'm sure all of these things will be thought of by the litigation experts on world rugby side mm. um uh, and the last thing was and this is by far the most interesting in my mind because it confirms what I think, and I love confirmation bias. <laughs> but um, they were very explicit. Uh, he was very explicit that neither he nor any of the other people in this lawsuit want the game of rugby to change, right? Other than the medical care, but they don't want the game to change itself. Mm. And this just really drove home to me something, which is, I am absolutely certain that this is uh, this is a, it, it is a serious ish, um, issue. But it's been used by the authorities to change the game to what they want I, it to be. No, I think they're rea- I think they're reacting to this case rather than using this case. I, I think, think they're, they're trying it. to. So if if they have face a liability, if there is a liability that they end up facing or shaking hands and agreeing on, which I really hope they f- they dig their heels in and set the bar threshold very mm. very high to, before they part with any money. Um, but I think they're actually trying to prevent further ones down the line. 
like draw a, draw a line in the sand, basically <sighs> saying through the laws, nothing beyond this date will get paid a penny for. Yeah, because- to me, it doesn't work, right? Because what these players are arguing for is disclosure. They wanted the information to make the decisions. They didn't want a change of behaviour or a change of game. They didn't want a different game. What, what they're going to they need to prove is better. what they're going to need to prove is that that information existed and was withheld from them. Yeah, because you can't you can't hold someone liable for not knowing. Yeah, but that's a separate issue to what I'm talking about now, which is what do they want going forward? They don't want to destroy the game. No, but what like, I'm, they don't want to change but the laws. The authorities in, want in, to. Do ter- no, in terms of the authorities, I, I honestly think they're just trying to build a. What's it called when you cut a load of trees down to stop a fire? From, yeah, fire break. They're, they're, mm. they're trying to build a fire break. Yeah I, yeah, I get what you're saying, but I don't think that is the case because for the longest time, they've been uh, people have been trying to persuade us that rugby is all about evasion and skill. And it, wouldn't it be great if we offloaded more? No, it wouldn't. Um, <laughs> you know, as I mentioned about school plays, we've got a whole world set up to appeal to middle-aged, middle-class women. And rugby authorities are basically doing the same thing, right? How many times do you hear, well, if we don't appeal to mothers, the game will die? I'm like, no, if you, appeal, if you start appealing to mothers, the game, the game will do die. Do you know, I've got a perfect thing to, to go on from this. Um, if you're kind of if you've summarised the points, you I think so. Yeah, that. I just wanted okay, to cool. make I just wanted to make the point that if you've got something to tell me about this concussion case, no matter which side you're on, feel free to tell me. And if I think it's important or mm. it's a point of view you need to hear, I will definitely talk about it. Uh, Richard Vase has contacted us. Uh, Contactsedchasers at gmail dot com. He says he's sent a link to an article from uh, this fella called Neil. I'll get the surname in a second when I open up the link. Um, but he was in, involved at Sedba Rugby. And is a really good thinker about schools rugby, and this this, this does kind of build on and expand upon or take in a slightly I've different got a direction. Feeling that I know about this, so it's an article that was published a few days ago. Neil Rollings, and, I know that name, and he says uh, for the great majority of schools who play rugby this season is in its final days. This is an article in a in a big education website. Uh, few in, uh, few maintain a two term program through the teeth of the winter. The weather may not be better after Christmas, but. A li- um, blah 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 blah. Anyway, it's not an easy time for school rugby. All the coaches running it. Safety concerns, bad news stories are abound. In previous eras, the challenge was to get fifteen boys to score more points than the other school down the road. Now this is the easy part compared to the demands of en- endless compliance, head injury concerns, and nervous parents. Yeah, singing on the bus returning from the match has re- been replaced by checking the seat belts and confirming the return time. But it's not all bad news. Despite predictions to the contrary, many boys continue to love the game. The regular routine of training and playing provides a high point for the autumn term for them. Weekend contests eagerly anticipated and the camaraderie and teamship still enrich young lives. Playing with my mates retains an internationally rewarding currency. Anyway, it goes on and goes on. And so it's just kind of putting a different perspective out there. And what he says is, yeah, here we go. Uh, The school's game should not be confused with the professional version. The RFU has robust data measuring risk levels throughout the game. This clearly demonstrates that school-age players are at significantly less risk. At under 13s and below, it's likely no game has any greater risk profile than any other, and the playground is actually the most injury-prone environment for children. Um, He makes that point. He says, um, there never was a golden age in which all boys love rugby. The general point he's making is, it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. And we should embrace that. Yeah. And... um, he says, many other games thrive in niches of various sizes. Some are shrinking, others expanding, and that has always been the case. The future for school rugby is to accept this, as the club game does. The fact that more adults play club football than rugby doesn't prevent either from flourishing. 
or improving the lives of its participants. Neither has to erode the other to succeed. Sport is not a zero-sum game. Um, blah, 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 blah. Um, but basically accepting the reality and creating a really good environment for the people who rugby is for and who do like it. And that's contrary to what you're talking about with the RFU where they're trying to make it a sport for everybody. Whereas exactly. this, this guy's saying... Firstly, it's not dangerous like you, like people are telling you. Secondly, it's not for everyone. Yeah. And that's okay. It's really important we talk about the facts of rugby, which is the pro game I do think is legitimately dangerous, which is why we pay the money and why, which is why it's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just not for everyone. It's a terrifying it's, it's, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's like the gladi- it's like the uh, gladiatorial combat of yeah. the past, isn't it? And, the and, own, and it's this- definitely not for everyone because you have to be a certain size or phenomenally skillful or phenomenally fast to yeah. play it. When you get... I, I never said this before, but just after COVID, when there were no fans in the stadium, and you could great go, for getting in and out of grounds. Yeah, yeah, amazing. <laughs> like you could watch the game in silence almost. Well, except for the well, there's no crowd noise. Yeah, you hear what the players are oh saying. Oh my the, god, you the, could hear the contacts, and you thought this is absolutely brutal. It's terrifying. As like a guy that plays a sport, it, it, it's not the it's not the sport that I play, and you don't appreciate that until there's no one in in, in the crowd and you can hear. Every single thing, every single crunch. The bone on bone. Yeah. Um, yeah, one of the most disturbing things about all these law changes is it is effectively to keep the amount of games high. The only way to limit concussions and to avoid what's happened... Which only needs to be done at the elite level elite of the level, game. Yeah, elite level. This is what keeps keep coming back to, and yeah, this article points out. It's less rugby. They just can't be playing any more than 10 games. That's the only thing. But they they are doing everything in their power to make sure they can get all their revenue. And, well, there you, know, you go. Grow. I think that's and more... that's it. That, that's what it's more about. You know, it is. But the club game itself, as in the lower level game, does not need changing. It no. is not a risky pursuit. Well, it is risky. It's more risky than going to the park, for, yeah. for sure. And it isn't for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I want rugby administrators. Yeah. It isn't for everybody. So don't, yeah, don't change the game to make it a version that might be more, a, 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 might be more enticing to you a greater, any, greater number of people. Because the people that love rugby and have always played rugby will not want to play that have, sport. Have you played any T one yet? <laughs> What's that? T1. Oh, no. I'm I'm waiting for spring, then I'm going to be all over the T1. Yeah, I'm going to really put in a big T1 uh, (laughs) pre-season. T1 T1 Tuesdays, Rugby X Thursdays. We could could have T1 tours instead of of our tier (laughs) two tours. (laughs) Imagine having to play T1. Just the branding of it makes me sick. But we are are going... So, potentially, we're going to Northampton for the Bayonne game on the 12th of Jan. 12th of Jan, that sounds good. That sounds good. Friday night, I like that. I'd be up for that. And then go and see Big Courts. Yep. And then end of January, Racing 92 versus Toulouse. 100% in for that. Come on, Jay. I'm going to be buying got, my flights tomorrow. you got to make tomorrow. that work. Oh, you, I'll, I'll confirm tomorrow. You've got to make that work. Confirm tomorrow. Even if you don't have to confirm tomorrow, the flights are relatively cheap. The flights Chester. are cheap, mate. How much are the flights? Decide on the day. No, 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 the flights aren't the problem. The childcare's the problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you can, as in, I'll book my flights tomorrow. You can book your flights in four weeks' time. Because they're, they're 120 quid. At the moment, decide on the day. Return from Manchester. I've always thought like dog daycare is only fifteen quid. <laughs> like, if I gave them twenty quid, I'd just look after these these two girls. Would they do that? And a bag of sweets for a them. Bag of sweets. Like they're fine. They're, like they love dogs. You've got loads of playthings around here. <laughs> you just need to look after them for twelve hours. <laughs> twelve hours in Paris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, yeah, and then so that's the Saturday night. And game. Then maybe, maybe Lisbon in maybe, uh, maybe Lisbon. I'd love to go back to Lisbon. I've never had a better weekend on two hundred quid. 
or however much it was. Uh, well, it's, it's so it was just 200 quid of Iberian ham, wasn't it? Not that. <laughs> that was in Madrid. Oh, yes. Yeah. For me. No, no. Uh, so I lost all of my cards yeah. right, on the first night. I'm sure I was pickpocketed. Sure of it. But I know, yeah. I yeah, um, definitely. And then Phil paid all his credit card and sent me the bill. And like, it was two days of like... We were, it was 200 quid for two days of boozing? It, it wasn't for off that, you know. It was... I think I think it was food a, and everything. We we ate and drank for for two full days plus the the Sunday we had like a midday flight on the Sunday. You sure we didn't two pick, full days of pickpockets and Portuguese eating and drinking restaurants, ordering balls of everything. Wow, having oysters, having really good seafood. Yeah, that's great. And it was, I think it was just over five hundred quid for the two of us, uh, for for all of that for two wow. days. So really, been, really good. So you've not been away with this for a little while. It's like three no. three euros a beer in loads of places. But the um, the general thing is now, wake up in the morning, you have to do at least 5K. So we did our 5K around Lisbon, which is horrific, because Phil's a great runner, and I'm a terrible runner, and I hate every second of it. And then we descended into this market in our yeah. sweaty gym kit. Timeout market. Had a beer, had another beer, had seven beers, had eight nice. beers, then went home. I think, I, think first, I think our first drink was actually a whiskey sour because of the egg white. Oh yeah, protein. <laughs> protein. <laughs> as, a jo- as a joke. <laughs> that was like a 10am whiskey sour. Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> what, what I do remember, and a couple of days I can cope with you, with you two, but I remember that trip to New York. Um, oh, that was great fun. Uh, it was great fun. I remember on day four. <laughs> was that when we went for the brunch? I just remember. Oh, we- I remember waking the- up. I think I called home and I was like, I, can't, I don't think I could do this again. <laughs> I tell you, the best day of drinking I've had. The best day of drinking I had. I'm pretty sure it's Philadelphia Day. Like to Reading Terminal Market. Tell you who we were with. With Lauren Smith from um, yeah. BT Sports. So she yeah. joined us. We started drinking in Reading Terminal Market, and then she left, and we went into. An area of Philadelphia, which is just the coolest area. I can't. Oh, oh we went to the old pub. We went to, we went to the old pub. We were watching, watching the, the um, Eagles. Yeah. Eagles were away at, at, at Kansas City. And we, we were doing, we were mixing it up between, it was like a couple of rounds in an old, like, sports bar, American football. And then we'd, we'd managed to stumble across, like, a really nice wine bar and have, like, oysters and a couple of glasses of white yes. wine. And then back to the spit and sawdust. American football pub. It, do you know, I would be well up for going just straight to um, Philadelphia for more beers, actually. I think, yeah. I mean, I, I've just got off a, getting over a hangover today, and about four hours ago I said I'll never drink again. And now <laughs> I'm flying across the Atlantic. It's, con- it's context-dependent, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, regaling these stories of boozing around the world. Oh God, it's terrible. It's been a while, and, <laughs> and, and bit, bit a, podcaster. The, the group chat where we're you you will be allowed in when you commit, commit. to commit to the end of January. There's a group chat. There's, yeah. a, there's a group chat for Paris, and you're the, getting some. Re- oh God, Dave yeah. Mack is going hard at da- the moment. Dave Mack is. is Dave Mack going? Yeah, yeah. Huh. he's in. Um, oh. Dave Mack's going, but the, the chat is that it's we're, in, we're we're in Paris. We've been lads have been sharing uh, Instagram accounts of devilishly handsome, well dressed, middle aged French men. And we're we're sort of up in the attire for for Paris. Oh, glorious! So just so you know, so the expe- expectation is, and to be fair to myself, I did do it in Dubai. I went straight to a, a CrossFit gym mm. in Malaga. Phil took me on a run, and I don't know if Phil was expecting what was going to happen. But we decided to run to the castle in in Malaga. That it's was simply steep. the most painful thing. I that was done so in steep. Years. <laughs> I don't know how how. I, Probably wasn't probably, that high. probably yeah sixty it, meters maybe it was more than sixty meters definitely 
100, 150 meters. We're going to have to do some, straight like, up. some uh, sprint intervals around the Champs Elysees. Well, the best thing <laughs> is <laughs> decide where you want to go drinking and run around there. So it's like a little recce. And then come back, and then you're all prepped. Mm. Well, the ha- the house we could be the house you could be staying in with us is in a very nice part of Paris. Leave it with me. Very very dangerous roads on there as well. Mm. Got to got to get it up, up early if you want to run on those roads. It's all right. Mm. Yeah, okay. We'll we'll, we'll we'll sort it out. I'm in. Uh, but uh, well, I will tell you what. So we got a date. Yeah, twenty seventh. Yeah. Get that sorted. So we, we yeah. So we're doing a top fourteen tour. We've got a tier two tour in the pipeline. And uh, well, let, I'll tell you what. Let's let's talk 26. about all this um, and and have a little Christmas boozy Patreon podcast next weekend. Next weekend, that's a really good idea. Early early morning on the Sunday, Sunday's Christmas Eve. Sunday's oh, Christmas what, 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 Eve. What, what, no, pa- Jay- Paris to lose, yeah. Uh, yes, twenty seventh. Yes. Um, yes. Oh so, yeah, could, we could do Saturday night. Could do Saturday. Um, no, uh, no, I can't do Saturday night. Um, okay. Can can do Sunday, but I imagine JB's the same. There'll be a, we'll a, do Sunday morning. There'll, there'll be a CrossFit wad at your place. Oh, we'll probably. Yeah. Then we can do a, Christmas Eve wad, like twelve okay. days of Christmas type wad is what they normally do. So I'll do that, and then I'll be free then. from about half ten. Oh, oh perfect. Do that. Yeah, about eleven o'clock. So Fantastic. Can have a couple of beers Christmas Eve. So what are the fixtures next week? Great. Back to back Question. to the Prem, isn't it? Premiership rugby. We have yeah Friday and Saturday, so no Sunday games. So Friday, we've got Newcastle host Bristol. Do not care about either of these teams in any way. <laughs> yeah, not good. Uh, I, if possible, I'd quite like Newcastle to record their first win. Yeah, same. And then not win again ever. Uh, do you see Alex Codling was not coaching them last week? He was having, really? he was attending to a personal matter, and this oh. is after he had that quite that rant, that quite uh, about emotional post-match interview. Yeah. So Did Alex Codling leave Harlequins for similar. Things like that. Not entirely sure. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I think he's back at the helm. So yeah, that's that's two DORs under pressure, or two mm. head coaches or DORs. Whatever Except one of them pressure. will get a handsome payout should uh, <laughs> yes should they have have to leave. Yeah. Or even though I think he should be done for gross misconduct. And then, and then it's uh, the master and apprentice bowl. Yeah, top of the table battle. Or I certainly two top this. four teams. Mark McCall against one of his old charges. If Sale can do this right. And dependent, I say, if Sale can do this, if Saracens bring a full strength Saracens team. So Sale have beaten Saracens in the past at the AJ Bell. Yeah, last year I was there. Yeah, but it's not usually a full strength. Saracens it was. Team. It was not a full strength Saracens team last year. And the full strength Saracens team has been beaten in the AJ Bell under Steve Diamond in the mm. past, but under Alex Sanderson it has not. So every time these two teams have met full strength, Saracens have always had the better of them. So if they could win this, it'd be massive. And I don't mm. think they will, because I think Saracens just know how to get under Sale's skin a little bit too much. If they come full strength, I suspect Saracens will win, which upsets me. I think Sale at home. I think Sale as well. Tough place to go to. Oh, Christ, some cracking games. Uh, there's there's a couple of real good games on Saturday so as well. I'm, I'm going Bristol and Sale for Friday. And then yeah, Saturday. Probably, yeah. And then Saturday, uh, yeah, Exeter, Leicester, Gloucester Saints. These are three cracking games. Bath Quins. Exeter, Exeter, Leicester, that'll be a great game. Yeah. Gloucester Saints, the Gloucester. Wal- the Waldron, Waldron Bowl, Salvi Bowl. Yeah. Uh, that's about it. <laughs> anyway. I'm trying to think of someone else. No. Um, yeah. And they play... So all three of these teams match up really nicely. So Exeter, Leicester is going to be combative. 
Yeah. Um, two very systemised teams. I'm going to go Leicester, who've rested up their first team. Yeah, fair point. I Extra on a bit of a high, though. Long, I, long standing unbeaten run. For was it like nine games or something? Uh, unbeaten at home as well is, is a very long period of time. Yeah, Leicester Tigers coming down with all of their stars. All their Exeter World Cup Chiefs stars rested. On a bit of a run now. And people start to believe in them. If Exeter Chiefs can get that ground rocking again. I mean, the problem with the Exeter is I don't really know how good they are. They're definitely not at their ceiling, but they're getting pretty good. So how much better can they get? Right now, I think they would probably lose to Leicester, but there's always yeah. a chance that they'll, they'll beat them because they're getting better every week. So I, I think Leicester will win this. I think Leicester. Because of the resting and the matchup, it matches up nicely for Leicester. I agree. I'm just searching for Exeter's last defeat at home. And no, no. I'm gonna here we go. Last defeat at home, Saturday, October the twenty second, twenty twenty two. There you go. Goodness me. Against Saracens. So we're saying it might be that. I'm saying Leicester. I'm saying a first defeat in over a year mm. at home. I think you might be right. Then Gloucester host Northampton. Which I think Saints will just be too strong for Gloucester. Saints. Gloucester looked a lot better but on Friday know, night against this, Claremont. There'll be a lot of points in this, a load of points because Saints like, Saints do quite like to concede historically. <laughs> Gloucester like to attack, and Gloucester aren't really up to much defensively. There will be a lot of points scored. Gloucester's defence looked better. Their driving mall was back. Zach Mercer was very good. Santi Carrera at ten was great. Is that, is that Mercer's debut for them? Uh, no, it's his first game back since he's been injured. Where, where, when, did he play at the start of the season? Uh, yes, mm. I think so. When the World Cup was going on. Ah, understood. Right, yeah, there's going to be lots of points scored. And I would say Northampton based on form. I'd say Northampton. And then... This is going to be... Bath Quinns. This will be... So this is the televised Belter. game. This will be dynamite. Bath versus Quinns. These teams do match up really nicely. Um... Christ, I don't know. Uh, that's I think that's that and Sale Saracens are the hardest to call. I think Finn v Finn v Marcus. Yeah, well, the halfback pairings in general are really competitive. Yeah, I don't really know and where the point of difference is between these two teams. Like, so both front rows are excellent when they are starting front rows. Yeah, um, I don't like Bath second row to be fair. The difference in these teams, I believe, will be. The replacement bath front rows. I think that's where they have an advantage. Mm. Bringing on three suffers, yeah, at least two suffers. Mm. Three suffers wander on and they start. Yeah, that that would be the difference. As for points scored, oh, I don't know a million. Yeah, I, I even think about the wings. So Cockney Singer is more sort of traditional finisher, whatnot. Caden Murley in line if they go Caden Murley. Murley, well, Murley went off injured. Oh well, they might go with Oscar Beard, who's absolute dynamite then. Yeah, or. Um, Nick David, but yeah, Nick David, um, loose liner. Nick David, loose liner. Yeah, they've got Tyrone Green. Yeah, still so got loads of options, and they work hard. But there again, bath swingers of. I mean, we were speaking about Will Muir earlier on, and what was my quote? Very rarely is he on a field not the best winger. Yeah, he's a hell of a player. I'm. Go- I don't know why, because uh, Bath are at home, aren't they? I'm. I just have a, a feeling for Quinns, and I have a feeling for man of the match performance from Andre Esterhazen. Hmm. I think he could be a point of difference. Yeah. There is a possibility of all away wins this week. I think Leicester are favourites, Northampton are favourites, yeah, Bristol I, are favourites. Saracens and Quinns are, are close as well. That's worth a fiver. Mm. A few quid on that. 
as a little Christmas treat. Nice. Right. There we go. Uh, so we're going to be doing a Patreon podcast next weekend as well as a as well as well as a pod, which will be oh yeah, all the games are on Saturday and Friday, so we will be able to talk about the Premier Games. Brilliant. Yes. Uh, you can well you can help keep the lights on, support the podcast, show your appreciation, and also get prepared for that uh, boozy Patreon special next weekend. Contact Ed Chasers. Oh, no, sorry, boozy Patreon special. Well, we'll, yeah. we'll have a we'll have, have a, a glass we'll, of we'll, have a, we'll have a we'll have a couple of uh, festive tipples while we're. What are we going to do for next week's patron? That's what that's what I was saying. Oh, I for that. see. Well, I mean, we could we could if we do it in that order. So we start having a you know a couple of you know light ones on the regular pod, and then well, why don't we have a look back the at the most controversial and angry moments of twenty twenty three? How many episodes? Was, uh, what a ten a ten episode series for that on Patreon? <laughs> then <Yeah. laughs> um, the biggest outrages in rugby twenty twenty. Yeah, I like it actually. The patron. I quite like that. Well, speaking of which, one of them might be about Stephen Jones's article about Marcus Smith in the Times today. Oh, not read it. He's uh, he's got a real chip on his shoulder about Mark about Marcus Smith and love for Owen Farrell. I have a love for Owen Farrell, but not a hatred mm. of Marcus. But Smith. he's kind of it's it's weird. Zero sum game in his mind. Yeah, in his mind, it's it's odd. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, we'll do that next week. And patreoncom eggchasers is where you can go and find that. And we done. I'm done. Let the boys end. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.